Bearcat Bounce Podcast back at it again. As you can see, if you're watching live or tuning in, it's the BBP. That means I'm joined by my two partners, comrades, collective crew, Aaron Smith and Chad Brendel. Aaron, Chad, how are we? Just starting to celebrate Christmas stuff, so this weekend was pretty busy for me, but uh, excited that got a lot of it close to done. So there go. this week, grinding. 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 Chad, you're always grinding, but how are we? Um, good. Good. Practice action today, a little install team uh, turning their attention to Alabama. The, the scout team jerseys were back out. I didn't have them. On, didn't have them on last week. It was uh, it was open practice last week, but this week it's uh, sights set on the Crimson Tide and working towards the national semifinals. So it's uh, it's 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 go time in Bearcat Nation. You know, speaking of go time, whenever you mention go time, it's it's always a good time to go to Danco Transmission and Auto Care. So you know, it's a good go. time to mention them. You know, they're they're family owned since 1970 in Fairfield near Jungle Gyms. They're I'm proud to support the Bearcats and the BBP. Mention the BBP for ten dollars off any oil change or service. Danco Transmission. Thank you very much, Danco. And now we're back. Speaking of quick adjustments and oil changes and uh, things on the fly, if you will. The basketball team had a bit of a uh, adversity strike Friday. Friday felt eerily terrible. If you guys are going to be honest with with me as well, it, the the thought of seeing a game canceled due to COVID complications just it brought back just horrible memories of last season. And uh, but like you've seen other teams do around the country, Wes Miller wasted no time, and I loved what he said. In his post-game press conference following the win against Ashland, how these kids work too hard, these players put in too much time. We're going to do all we can to schedule an opponent and make sure that they have a game to play. Chad, you've got to yet again tip your cap to Wes Miller doing what's right and finding an opponent so quickly, even though it was a Division II Ashland. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to – Agree with Wes. Like these guys spend all summer, you know, working towards the season. School starts, they start. Practice starts. They're going 20 hours a week. Um, and then if you get to the season, all of a sudden you're not gonna you're not gonna play the games. Like I, I just think it's a uh it's a it's a necessary evil as we're once again dealing with another uh rise in covid that if you have games that fall through you you owe it to the guys to do what's right by them and have their hard work pay off so you know that's uh that's where i'm at on that i i just think you do everything possible sometimes it'll work sometimes it won't um but but you have to make sure you're doing everything you can to get them on the floor uh, playing as many games as possible. Yeah, and, and you know, you mentioned last season, Wes did how they played every game that they were allowed to. And I 
didn't do a quick look around the country because I'd be looking at 360 some odd teams, you know, scheduled from last season. But it's got to be one of the few squads out there that that did everything they could to play every single game. But Aaron, if I I know you're away from the screen, but are you available? I gotta I, I gotta ask you a question. Yep. When 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 it came out, when you saw that first inkling of games getting canceled on the weekend, having to find you know different options to play, and then all of a sudden you see the same thing for the Bearcats trickle through. It had to be just an, an eerie bad feeling, but one that you all of a sudden were like, "Well, I'm sure they're going to do something to find an opponent, just like all these other teams did." It's like deja vu all over again. Unfortunately, yep. I mean, we know how this felt last year. Um, of course, your mind, in in my sense anyway, immediately went to the football team and hoping that this isn't something that carries over with any of those guys. Um, but you know, more importantly, right now, as there was a game, it was good to see that they did get something scheduled, and good to see that on such a short notice they were able to pull off a win in a season that's been up and down, really. So you never really know what team is going to show up. Let's let's talk about the game real fast. Obviously, we have to. Uh, yeah. I'm going to venture out to say that there is one player in particular on Ashland who is going to give people our age fits in 30 years on the court at the local YMCA, at the local, you know, wherever you play your little pickup basketball games, you, you got to think that Derek Cook is going to be uh, one load to handle down low in the post and, and shooting bank shots from the outside. I, I mean, this this team, you just watched them out there in the beginning. You were like, okay, it seems like a size advantage. And then all of a sudden, they're they're running a bit of a methodical offense and kind of was taking it out of Cincinnati's hands a bit. I, Chad, obviously, teams like this, you don't have too much time to prep for. That might be the reason why they were able to yeah. – What, they said they did a walkthrough, a 30-minute walkthrough prior to the tip-off yeah. in the beginning on Saturday? I mean – Teams that run these backdoor cuts, run these offensive sets and things like that, that's going to give you a little bit more difficulty than you would imagine rather than a team that wants to just get up and down the court and just play free basketball. Yeah, you, you've got to – I mean, th that's where, like, scouting reports are are critical, right? Like, this is when they're going to cut. This is how they're going to cut. You know, recognizing the plays before they run them. Uh, you didn't get any of that um, because it was scheduled in such a quick fashion. So, I mean, that makes it tough. Uh, you definitely don't want to run into, like, Princeton-style Princeton offenses without any prep time. Um, but that made it more challenging. And it's some of it, too, man. Like, they, they pretty clearly got up 25 and took their foot off the gas yeah. and thought that they were just going to coast to victory. And credit to Ashland for continuing to play, continuing to, uh, to push forward. And um, – you know, it made it a little more. I mean, it, what it got to ten, got back to ten, yeah. never got any closer than that. Um, hilarious, Ed. Great joke. Tell Ed that I'm dealing with an 11 year old tonight. That I'm not in the greatest of moods. <laughs> I don't have to tell him. You just did. He's obviously listening. I'm not in a great it's mood, a, Ed. It's a PTP takeover. Aaron's hat and, and Ed chiming in. I like it. A little little collab. But, no, I agreed, Chad. Agreed. But in the same sense, offensively, we still saw some lapses. I, I think what we also saw is David DeJulius in the second half deciding he was going to put the team on his back for a little bit. 
and kind of scored at will about five or six straight possessions in a row, or at least got fouled and went to the line and had a chance to add from there as well. Aaron, then you look and you see the big men. Uh, literally no production from Victor Locken. Shall we say he was not locked in during this one? Uh, it just seems as if it was an interesting game from the post perspective when it should have been one possibly where they just dominated. Well, and I mean, you mentioned Victor Locken, but I think you can also mention Odie, Hayden, Adu, Ado. Um, you know, none of them did anything. Four points. <laughs> anything Combined. worth writing home about. That's that's not what you want to see. And, you know, I mean, obviously we knew that that was a huge weakness on this team kind of going into it, although we thought that we had some Band-Aids and especially the shot blocking aspect of it all. Um, and, you know, Koval ended up with two blocks. Ado, Ado, Ado had had one block. But I don't know that that's enough to make up for four points collectively. Yeah. And I mean, nine minutes out of, out of big Vic, zero shot attempts. I don't know what, if there was anything behind the scenes going on there as far as just, you know, maybe they got up big, kind of a weird thing on Saturday as well. When, you know, it's midday, you get up early, like, like Chad and Aaron have said, and then all of a sudden it's just like, okay, this one's a win. And it's not even one that counts on the Ken Palm. It's just a weird, a weird situation overall, but it's one that does count in the final record book. I think with Vic, Jeremiah was was hot. You know, he, he hit six threes and two twos that had his toe on the line. Yeah. So Vic mostly plays the four. Right. Um, Aaron had the stats up. Jeremiah played what 27, 28 minutes. Yeah. Um, so in in that situation, you're rolling with the hot hand. Yep. Um, are you really going to take Jeremiah off the floor to, to get Vic minutes yep. in a game where, where Jeremiah is, is, you know, shooting the ball as well as he did at 28 minutes, eight of 15 from the floor. Like I said, the two, two pointers he took his foot was on the line. So he really should have had, there was, you know, six inches away from having eight, three pointers, uh, in the game. So I, I think that's just a matter of, you know, how the minutes kind of played out. Yeah. It, you also saw both of them kind of go off. I think this team is constantly searching for who's going to be, you know, when one player scores, who's that secondary score? When when two people are kind of going a little bit, who's going to be that third one to bring the boost? And, you know, you saw two players score over 20 points for the first time since last season. Um, you also saw the six three-pointers. It was, uh, you know, it just obviously, obviously great to see Jeremiah come out of this funk. You know, during the game, I was like, oh, gosh. We're, we're wasting all of our makes against Ashland. But aside from that, it was it was more than just hopefully good to get this team back in the groove. And even though they were up, at 20, up by 25 and then slowly Ashland came back into it, it was good to see them kind of put the foot on the gas a little bit. And hopefully that continues through Tuesday when Tennessee Tech comes into town and then you've got a massive matchup in the following week against Houston. I Kind of wrapping up the non-conference, obviously there's – one game left. Cincinnati should be favored by double digits plus. Uh, what's your kind of outlook as far as this team is through this first 13 games, 12 games now with one left? And it's it's been really weird up and down, but still in the end, it's a chance for West Miller to win 10 out of the first 13 games. It's a John Brandon didn't do that in two games. Pardon me, two seasons before it took Mick, what, 
three seasons to get to 10 non-conference wins. I, a lot of different ways to really look at the first 13 games of the season. Well, yeah. Go ahead, Aaron. I was just going to say nine and three. I mean, I think it's better than a lot of us had anticipated initially, myself included. Um, I, I honestly, even knowing what we knew going into the season, I think nine and three is, is a little bit better, especially with that win over Illinois still as the largest feather in the cap. Um, but we also know that there's a lot of needs on this team and a lot of things that need fixed. Um, unfortunately, as we've repeated on this podcast, like I just don't know if you have the pieces in place right now to be able to make those fixes, make those changes this season. So it's a lot of hurry up and wait. Well, I think saying something needs fixed implies something's broken. I don't know that anything's broken. I think it's just a, the nature of, I said this on the board the other day, like you've got to remember this is the third season in a row that half or more of the roster turned over. Right. Yep. So the outside of the obvious like problems with that, what people don't think about is as you're building, right? As you're building a program, you have the luxury of knowing, okay, here's my guys, here's what I've got, here's what we don't have. And then addressing it through recruiting. And you add a couple pieces that are designed to fix what your flaws are, to go with the guys that you have, that play to the strengths that you want to play to. And that is an ongoing stack, right, of, look, Luke Fickle added, like, you know, hey, when, when we lose Brian Wright, we're going to need Darian Beavers. When we lose James Wiggins and Derek Forrest, we're going to need Brian Cook. Like, you know, these are the things that happen once you get into year three, year four, year five of a program. Wes is just now like, like he just moved into the house, right? When you just move, like when you walk through, you buy it, everything looks great. It seems like everything's, you know, perfect. And now you're living in the house and, oh, well, this outlet doesn't work. Oh, the, the, you know, the, the water pressure in the bathroom in the bedroom is low and, and all of a sudden, okay, now I, I gotta, I gotta fix this and I gotta fix that and I gotta work on this and it adds up and until you really have it, you know, there's no free agency in, well, there's free agency in college, but it's restricted in time. You, you can't, you can't go out and make a trade. And fix what your problems are right now. Not yet. Not yet. Yeah, that, that's probably coming at some point in time. Um, so I think that's what people have to keep in mind is none of this fits right because nobody had ever seen, you know, this group play together until they start playing games together. Like you've seen them in practice and you get an idea in practice on what you think you're going to be. But it's, that's not a, a full representation of, you know, what you look like in games. Because what happens if you're a good – if you're a bad defensive rebounding team? That means in practice, the other team, the other, like the, the guys that are on offense, are going to look like good offensive rebounders. Yep. So you have to are – we are we that bad on offense or defensive rebounding? Or maybe we're pretty good at offensive rebounding. Right. You don't know until the games start that – we're okay. We're okay as an offensive rebounding team. 
and woof as a defensive rebounding team. And yeah. now you know going forward, those are the things we have to fix when we get to the offseason, but it's not the offseason. So, you know, the cavalry isn't coming. No. And and I think one thing to always take away from it is the fact that this does seem like a team that is together. You know, one that – sure where you you do glance over to the bench during timeouts and and things of that sort and you do see an exuberant bunch you see a, a team really pumping each other up which is really spokes to the future of the program because last season you you we had I don't know how many countless times we broke down certain gestures or certain facial expressions that we saw you know I I mean one that bounces back in my mind was Tar Easton was coming to the sideline and 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 JB gave him a nice chest bump and now neither of them are here, so I, I don't know how, how to really dive into that. But just seeing the excitement that the team has for each other and the way that they always pump each other up is, is something really to, to hang your hat on. But like you said, when things in the house are broken, like take my washers down right now. And as you mentioned, Aaron, it's Christmas time. Got to get some, some laundry done before I go down to Florida. The Bearcats need to find some scoring, some consistent playmaking. But it, it's something that might have to wait for a little while. Like like you guys said, wait for the offseason. For me, wait until, I don't know, after Christmas, I guess. But it's, it's something that does seem fixed. It seems like the base is a lot more set than it was in previous regimes or, or previous regime singular. Uh, aside from that, though, Tuesday is going to be Tuesday. And then next week, we'll be able to kind of talk. Yeah, Mama do. Mama, do it's going to be exciting. I I did like you guys asking uh, Chad. You were asking JD about playing against Mamadou, and I don't know. Something tells me that that they're going to start do. He's only started five games out of twelve this season. I, something tells me he's going to get the starting nod in this one. Um, if not, then who knows what that coach is doing? But how many threes does he launch? He he's got fourteen makes on the season, so I'm I'm saying he's he's launching five. Would you say five? Yeah, probably at least five. Are we are we cheering if he makes one? I like I mean just a small subtle cheer. I mean it's gonna be hard for that the fans not to like they're so used to cheering for when Mamadou lets loose a three. Remember how many times he would like hesitate? Yep. yep. And they would be like, Come on, dude, shoot the three. Yeah, he'd shoot it, and it would go in and the whole place would explode. Oh, I remember you asking about that in some press conferences and uh yeah. the, the answers were pretty short. <laughs> they were, they were, yeah, because we don't want him shooting it. And it's like, oh, okay, but but he's okay. making he's making eighty percent. Yeah. <laughs> aye, aye, aye. But anyway, I basketball is is something that it's such a long season, and even the non conference felt like it had like four different segments to it. So um, next next Tuesday, not not tomorrow, but next Tuesday at Houston, it's going to be. I don't know if, if if you can say telling, but I mean they come out and they play with the fight and the ferocity that they did against Illinois and against Arkansas and show just you know kind of that gamemanship rather than what happened a little bit further down the road last weekend. Then I think that you've got to just continue to just love the trajectory of the program. And so I, I but think if it doesn't happen, you you hate the trajectory of the program. Like I. I... Uh, no, I wouldn't say program. I would say uh, the trajectory of the. This is not team a team built season. to compete with Houston. No, it's not. It's it's one that's uh, that's 
that's going to have to figure out some crazy things. Their weaknesses are very much Houston's Houston strengths. Strength. Yeah. Which the craziest thing is this past Saturday, Texas Southern was top 15 in defensive rebounding percentage. And they had an ex-Houston player on their team, Bryson Gresham. It was going to be one of those true challenges that kind of you're just like, wow, okay. I mean, this team rebounded the crap out of Florida, and we didn't get to play them. But uh, who knows? I mean, top 60 offensive offensive rebounding team is Tennessee Tech. Is Tennessee Tech. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what can happen there. But aside from that, anything, anything else further? Basketball. We kind of, kind of really don't have much else to talk about it. I mean, it was good to see David DeJulius also be a player that w- was determined to get his own in the second half at times. It seems like that's what this team has been lacking. And when the shots are falling for JD, he's a completely different player. And I think those are the two biggest takeaways from that pass game. I mean, with David, like we know what it is, right? Like when he when he gets in a rhythm, he can really score. Yeah, um, he'll have some nights where everything's falling, and he's at 23, 24, 25 points. Right. He'll have some nights where he's getting the same looks, and everything's rimming out, and you know the 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 basketball gods are working against him. Right. Um, but. I like that he seems to be finding settling into like that role of I'm the guy that needs to to go get mine. Right. Um, you know, because his team other than him doesn't really have that. And and I'm not really looking into the future or anything like that, but I know that David has a possibility with the whole COVID thing to come back another season and with a with a full roster with some more talent on it, I think that it would be great to have a player like David as kind of that, that secondary or, you know, on the floor with another big time creator shot creator. So I, I I would be excited to see if that opportunity presented itself, but that's a long ways away. It's good to see him coming out of his shell a little bit, but um, Aaron, anything, any last thing you want to see before the conference schedule really comes into full effect? No, I mean, I think kind of piggybacking off what Chad was saying about David, like, this is the David DeJulius we've kind of been waiting to see the entire time he's been at Cincinnati. So to see him start to emerge as such, and, you know, people talk about we don't have the score, you know, we miss Keith. Why couldn't Keith have stuck around? Um, Keith I, I is never an alpha scorer either, so. Well, I, I think DeJulius looks a little bit more comfortable this year than Keith looked either the last two seasons he was at Cincinnati. So just uh, – Kind of excited to see where DDJ goes with what's currently happening. And I don't know, just it's good to see that glimpse of who DDJ was supposed to be all along. And I, I agree with what Reed said here. You, you put it up on the screen. But I, I just don't know who on the team other than JD is, is a true catch, you know, shot-ready shooter. Um I, I mean, it's just AJ possibly. Well, like, dribble step, step back threes. There's only one guy taking step back threes. DDJ, yeah. And he's hitting or starting to, like, be more, you know, efficient with that step back. Like, I, Reed, I think you you get caught up in your emotions during a game. We're like, stop doing the step back. Well, there's just one guy doing it, and he does it, like, three times a game. But it might be his like go-to, you know. Oh, it clearly is a shot he's comfortable with. Right, exactly. And 
I mean, some people like that little back down, little fadeaway and, and shot like that. And, I mean, we've got to face it. This is not a team full of, of creators that are going to get get past you off the bounce and then kind of get everyone moving and then the defense is out of sorts and you find an open shooter on the outside. Just doesn't really have those pieces yet. So I think once they get those and if they truly have that knockdown shooter, I, I mean, like take Daniel Skillings. If, if he's on one side and you get a penetration and Skillings is open, then I'm sure he's going to knock that down. Or if Skillings is able to beat you off the bounce, I'm sure he'll be able to find a player on the outside, something along those lines. And I just think it's it's just something that the team doesn't truly have yet. It's often it's offensively challenged. Yeah. We talked about that from the season preview. This was going to be a team that was offensively challenged. So it shouldn't be a surprise when the season starts and they're offensively challenged. Yeah. I don't know. Who knows? Though? It, it, it's a long season. We keep saying it. And so <laughs> if, if things really spark and, and for some reason you see shots to fall out of some people that want to, then, <laughs> then I, yeah. So, but, but what I'm saying, Reed, is that JD, Micah, Mikey, they're not they're not taking step back threes. And your complaint was with step back threes. So I, I know what you're saying. I'm being kind of a pain in the ass, but like JD is always ready for a catch and shoot three. Huh. Always. hundred percent. <laughs> even even if he waits for a second, he's he's fine. He's ready. Micah, Micah is usually pretty good about it. He'll he passes up more than most, but I think Micah, because of the way he plays, has a very good understanding of like what is he in rhythm? Is he in rhythm when he when he lets it go? Because if he's not in rhythm, he's not gonna let it go. Now, maybe you know he could do a better job getting into that that rhythm. Um, and Mikey is not really a catch and shoot. Mikey's more of off the dribble, you know, his, his shot in catch and shoot form is pretty slow. So you're going to, it allows closeouts. Um, so I don't know. I, 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 okay. Reed, you win. I, I give. Brent, we were laughing earlier because Chad and I were both trying to put the comment up at the same time. And I think we tripped on each other. Like, Two or three times. three times in a row. We <laughs> wow. both hit. We both hit display on the comment at the same time three times in a row. So it just like flashed. Well, I don't even know how to do that. So you guys, you don't, you guys we don't have that access. It. Yeah, we have. We haven't given you the ability to play with the toys yet. That's fine by me. Uh, <laughs> so, so the craziest thing also is like it. Mikey has that uh, when Mikey shoots his three. He's. It seems like he's got that that kind of a hesitation. And I'm not comparing him to this man that I'm going to mention here in a bit, but when LeBron James had that little side dribble and then and then he would like set afterwards and shoot the three, he was knocking those down at a high clip. Seems like Mikey's kind of got that bit of a hesitation that he goes to that might get him a little bit more comfortable to knock down the shots. I mean, uh, however crazy it is to say, he's sitting at 110th in the country in three point field goal percentage, which is something that you probably would not uh, would not imagine coming into the season. It, it's because he's taking the ones he's comfortable with. Right. You right. Know, he's, he's not out hunting for threes. He's taking an opportunity because what, what a team's shown, they've shown that they're going to, they're playing off of him because they don't want him to get by. Right. And if they're, if they're giving him enough space, he's going to hand down man down and, and get you a look. Uh, and so far he's been, 
excellent at knocking those looks down. Yes. Really so, before we go forward, though, I mean, is there anything that you're looking for out of Wes and company as they go into conference play? You know, just kind of a, a broad overview as to what you haven't seen yet or maybe more of what you want to see that they've shown glimpses of as they go forward? Run the make shots offense more. If they could run the make <laughs> shots offense more, I'd, I'd be happy. Well, okay. So two times they went to Vic locking in the post against Xavier. Both times Vic made great post moves to easy bunny lanes over his shoulder. I mean, I feel like they never looked for that once. I don't know if that was a game plan. Well, they didn't have a game plan on Saturday, but it, it was never something that was ever there. I, I don't know. I guess more identity out of certain players, and I don't know if that's something that evolves throughout the season. But I, I, I want to see them kind of be like, okay, when Vic's on the floor, he's going to be the offensive scorer. He's not going to just stand at the top of the key and be the one to just continue the ball rotation. I, I want to see – players in positions that they are best willing to succeed and, and have succeeded. And, and maybe that's what the tape shows after the non-conference. And, and, and we've already seen Wes is a phenomenal coach. He's done a, a bang up job. I would want to see how some other coaches would do with what the group put together like this and some tough games throughout the season so far. Um, I think I'd agree. Great, more, more often yeah. than not, I think they are looking like the Island of Misfit Toys. Yeah. Um, and I think that's essentially what both of you were saying. So, no, I, I think that it's I, – I, we keep saying it, and I know it's not necessarily an excuse. You you work with what you have, but it's still a team that was put together in 30 days when you had – even with guys in the transfer portal, you only had four guys going as you accepted a job. Um, like, I think the Vic stuff is interesting because there's still so much room for growth with him. Absolutely. Like I, you know, when you saw with Xavier, um, they say, they left him in single coverage where he was right. able to do that. Right. When teams have sent somebody to dig on him, or mm -hmm. you know, just done a a more noticeable job of making sure somebody's in the area, he's turning it over a lot. So he's not even like the reason it, it feels like he's not getting enough shots up because it's because he's not allowing himself the ability to get in position, you know, to get those shots off right now. Yeah. Um, you know, there's just so much that he still has to learn about the the physicality and the, the strategy of the American game that makes it frustrating because when he flashes, it's like, Oh baby. Right. Like, man, that looks, that looks really good. That, that looks like it's program changing. But there's still so much that, like now, teams are getting the tape on him and and starting to take away, you know, the things that he does well. There he goes. Um, so it, it's just a matter of the, the ebb and flow of the season. Yeah. Um, I'm sure Wes and and Mike Roberts and Kyle uh, are working with him to to get used to that. Like. Okay, now when you get it, you're going to have to expect not only to have your guy on your hip, but the guard in your area also coming down. Or the big uh, across from you giving you a passing lane because he's coming over to stop your, your ability to put the ball in the basket. So um, it, it's just, you know, we talk about it all the time here. It's the adjustments to the adjustments. 
Um, and that's that's what takes teams that go 10 and three non-conference and allows them to go, you know, hit 22 wins to go 12 and six in conference. If you can execute the adjustments, if not, then you win nine, 10 games in conference. Do you guys think that the trip to Kansas city has kind of put the whole, uh, what, what the football team faced the entire season, the whole style points thing into just for Bearcat fans when it comes to, when they're watching the games, because I, I mean they're winning the games. Sure, they had the one against Monmouth that could have gone either way at the end, and then they had the one. Obviously, don't want to talk about the other one. But aside from that, they're they're winning every game. And sure, at times they didn't look great against Bryant. At, at times they didn't look great against Ashland. But still, they're they're winning these games, winning them by double digits, and at most of the time they're up by more than enough during these games. But still, it's. We want to see the same thing we saw in Kansas City. We want to see that that twenty point victory team against Illinois. Is it kind of that that's taken away, and the style points aren't really there, but the wins still are following? I think that the win against Illinois in Kansas City raised expectations for the fan base to, for some, to an unreasonable level. I mean, this is a team that we were literally arguing about before the season even started if they're going to finish over five hundred and how close to 20 we were going to get. And now we're looking at a team that should, by all expectations, flirt with, if not exceed, 20 wins. And so, I, I like I said, I mean, I, I think that you beating Illinois, you showed what this team's capable of, but I don't think that should be the norm. And I don't think that this team's quite there to just fire on those types of cylinders the whole season. I, I think that was the exception, not the rule. Yeah. <laughs> I do like it. I do like Ed's question though. Chad, what former Bearcat could Vic be once all rockets are firing? As uh we gotta make sure that the, the podcast Yeah, the podcast listeners know exactly. <laughs> Just read it, podcast listeners. Read or, what's on or the hop on the YouTube. <laughs> uh I really don't know that there is one. Right, like a, a skilled seven foot back to the basket scorer with touch right. out to three and right. you know, passing ability and moves pretty well defensively, uh, can guard a little, you know, can hold his own and switches out on the perimeter, uh, except for when that dude from uh whatchamacallit dunked all over his face uh last week. Um I don't remember. Family? Yeah. The bald guy from family. Oh, that yeah, how weird was jeez. That guy took off twice. Um, I don't know that I don't know if there is one. I mean, like do you say Kyle with, with no. his inside outside? No, well no, I'm just saying just just from certain aspects offensively. I don't think he has that go to you know post move yet, but I mean he's he's shown it a couple of times. Um no, I just I don't think their games are. I mean, I, I don't think their games are similar. Right. Kyle was trying to get to like twelve to fifteen feet to hit that that baby hook, right? Like, yeah. I think that's the thing though about the evolution of basketball to where it's at right now is you have so many players currently, unlike anything that's come before them. The right. focus isn't on the down low game. The focus isn't on you know the power 
anything down low, rebounds, any of that stuff. It's it's just establishing the perimeter. Yeah. I mean, I mean he, he shows glimpses of, of – and yet again, I'm, I'm throwing out NBA here superstars. We here we throwing go. Out NBA superstars, but he's got glimpses of, of Jokic in his game. You know, I think just that, that European style. He does. He does. And, and very small glimpses. I'm not talking – Oh, here we go. I'm not saying he's Nikolai Jokic. I'm not saying he's going to win the MVP this season in the NBA. But you do see certain times where you're just like, oh, wow. That was a high IQ play. But honestly, that those are all kind of in the beginning before the scouting report came out. But that was when things were clicking. If you're going to try and compare a center in the NBA, I'd go more like a Kristaps Porzingis than I would a Nikolai Jokic. But Jokic is thick. Vic is pretty thick. Uh, Jokic's skill it's nowhere even close in terms of like what Jokic does, nobody, passing and no. handling the ball. And <laughs> right, but we've I'm seen Vic try to handle the ball a couple times, and uh, it yeah. is not Nikolai Jokic. He he had a couple in the beginning of the season that that looked all right, and then I think it was the uh, it was the Arkansas game after he had a good Illinois showing. He had a couple. Uh, Coast to coast, that were that should have should probably dish it off a little earlier. A a little, yeah, a touch, just a touch earlier. Right, just a touch. Look, if you're gonna make NBA comparisons, can we at least do it with like, uh, like, you know, not MVPs? Yeah, well, you know what? But like for the casual listener who doesn't follow the NBA, would they understand some of those? Yeah, and then they expect him to be an NBA MVP because Brett <laughs> hey. Young from the, the Bearcat Bounce podcast said this guy plays like Nikolai Jokic. Yeah, talk about shoot. exceeding expectations. Shoot for the moon, you might fall on a star, whatever that saying goes. Get out. <laughs> where's where's Brent's mute button? <laughs> no, I okay. Three point jump shot yet. Oh, am I back? We haven't seen the three-point jump shot yet. <laughs> we have okay. not. He's okay, attempted. Fine. He's he, attempted a couple. Do you, uh, but he hasn't. You he want hasn't me to say that, yet. that Vic is like a Goga Batotsky? How about sure. that? There yeah. we go. There we that go. way they got to work to like go figure out who that is. Yeah. And then you know, it keeps things reasonable. He was he was sent down. He had a good game for the Mad Ants last week. I saw. So hopefully he gets brought back up. Maybe maybe that's the nine minutes zero zero shot attempts that Vic had against Ashland. Bring it back up for Tuesday. <laughs> eh. Oh well, but no, I, the future's bright. He's young. He's out. He's been out of organized basketball for a while. Um, and you got to remember, he's coming off. He's, like he a, still gets winded pretty quick. Yeah, right. he's coming off a serious injury too. It's, those aren't things that you just work yourself back from. Right. So I don't know. I. There's still so many pieces on the team that you see little glimpses of. You get so excited about, and like like even AJ McGinnis on last Tuesday was was getting me excited. You know, um, oh he ain't afraid to let it fly, boy. No, he's not. He was in the game for what four seconds and he had a three point attempt. Sounds it was good. Right. Like the it, but, first time the ball touched his hands, he was like, Zah! His shot looks good. That's AJ. Reed wants everybody to play like AJ McGinnis. Yeah, because as soon as that ball touches his fingertips, there's a pretty good chance it's going towards the rim. He's got a clip, man. <laughs> but 
and then you look, and and AJ only had what like three minutes in the last game. I I don't know. Saturday was weird. <laughs> Let's just go ahead and say Saturday was weird. There's there's no other way to put it. Um, you go up against a D two opponent where you didn't game plan really at all, and uh, yes, you do you do coast a little bit because in pickup games that's when the other team says, "All right, we're done. We're done. Yeah. Next." But they they didn't say next in this one. So anyway, it was a victory. Tuesday night is a big game, and then that following Tuesday, whew, oh boy, we'll I'm, see. I'm not excited about that. Yeah. <laughs> Just not. Just uh, as long as you know, not quite like the last time they went to Houston, then that's that's a plus. I don't think there's any chance you're going to see Houston getting upset and breaking things on their way out. Let's let's just put it that way. <laughs> so, well, well, the Bearcats would have to goaltend a uh, game tying shot in the process in order for that to happen. So something along those lines. But yeah, I don't think they're going to be breaking anything either. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe my heart. My hurts. Jesus. PC. <laughs> not, not that. Not that. I, anyway. Look, man, I, I just, I, I try to keep it as real as possible. Yeah. The things Houston do, does well are also all of the things Cincinnati does not do well. And that, that's not great. Yeah. It's not great. I know Reed. I'm just joking around. Reed says not everybody. He just wants when someone drives into the paint and kicks it to a wide open guard for them to shoot. We're just saying it's not any of them that are that are good shooters right now. <laughs> it's a work in progress. We're getting there. Number number nine offensive rebounding team in the country and number five defensive efficiency in the country. Not great, Bob. But how about the Bearcats? Do you know the Bearcats are Bearcats are second in effective field goal percentage defense? I mean, they're defensively, they've been solid. They have been. They've they're been not good. letting teams shoot shoot high clips from three. Now they haven't really played. They played some good teams, but they haven't really played teams that really fill it up, right? Um, to date. So, and let's be honest, playing in the American, they're really not gonna. So that'll probably stay at a pretty high number all year. Because this league looks like they might be stinks. Memphis looks like they might be back, but I, other than that, there's a there's a drop off that is very bad. How about Penny getting flat out caught in a straight lie? When was that? Saturday. What you haven't seen this whole fiasco? No. Was it about the COVID stuff or yeah? So coming into the season, he said. 90% of the team was vaccinated. Okay. Yeah. So Saturday morning, they had somebody, one of the players woke up and felt sick. So they got tested. They were positive. The roommate got tested. The roommate was positive. And via contact tracing, if you're not vaccinated, you automatically go into quarantine. You go into protocol. protocol. Yeah. By the time that played out, they had four players that were that were able to Eligible, play. Yeah. Maybe wow. math isn't his forte. I mean, either that or just Pierre and Rogers did 
the whole thing. Oh, he one hundred percent Aaron Rodgers the no, whole thing. No, like, he meant ninety percent of the starting five, which is roughly four. You can't have. That was a joke, guys. It was a joke. But, I mean, some people out there would probably laugh at that joke, so I'm, I'm okay with getting the blank stare from you guys. I mean, you were the one saying that you wanted to feel like you were on the PTP earlier, and now I feel like I'm working with Ed. <laughs> well, anyway. Anyway, here's, Hi, what, here's what we're thinking. <laughs> what do you got? What are your thoughts? Because this is the first. I, I mean, I just want to touch on it quickly. I don't want to really dive too far into it. But this is the first like week in a long time that we really started to see the, the whole COVID effect on not only college basketball, but, but sports as a whole. And obviously it was because of a spike and whatnot. And, and I don't want to get too, you know, into it, whatever other way other than sports. Is this anything like too serious or are, are we kind of just in the sense where stay, stay positive, stay healthy and, and just continue playing. I it's, it's, it had me scared because I'm I become an optimist until there's a lot of pessimism. And this past week was was starting to fill in with a lot of I'm, I'm an optimist until I'm a pessimist. <laughs> no, until pessimism until pessimism smacks me in the face and I spend four hours on a Texas Southern article that I didn't even play. <sighs> well, I mean, obviously some people are kind of up in their feels about the autograph session that Des did this weekend and some different things with that as the concern lies in the fact that there are spike numbers and what have you. But I know I talked to Chad about it and Chad brought up the, the point that who right now is missing the opportunity to go out and make money. I mean, that got canceled though, didn't it? What the autograph session with Des? Yeah. I don't believe so. Yeah, it, did. I, it, I, it did, but there was, there was still a, you had to pay for a meet and greet and an autograph. He, he still did something. Saturday it got canceled. There might have been something Sunday that followed it. Right. But the Saturday one, like, right, you know, shortly before it happened, it got canceled. Right. The big one. Yeah. But, but there was another one. I I saw someone tweeting pictures about it and things like that. So, uh, no, I go ahead. I guess, I guess it came out tonight that Bama is going back to their basically uh, COVID level restrictions 2020 uh protocol the the team yeah the whole program yeah i mean i believe cincinnati gets they practice tomorrow the initial plan was and i haven't heard this has changed so that like this is my understanding of the plan um thursday is like off so you know the locals can can go home and do christmas and all that right and then friday report back and then saturday or saturday's christmas right yeah sunday you have to report tomorrow and friday off saturday report back sunday they leave for dallas so we'll see if that changes (laughs) yeah I mean, I knock on wood. It's it's just a weird thing. You saw the the NFL and the NBA come out with the whole, you know, if if you're vaccinated and asymptomatic or whatnot, then you're okay. And 
there were things of that sort. Um, I'm not going to act like I know anything about the topic because, you know, a lot of people use like some of their brain for politics and some of their brain for like this kind of stuff. I don't. Mine's like college basketball, college football, NFL, NBA, <laughs> MLB, and golf. That's literally all that's out there. And then my day job takes up way too much than it should right now. But aside from that, I really don't know much about the topic. But it, it, it scares you when you see it. And I don't think it'll be as drastic as 2020 ever was. Um, maybe a, a, a fan restriction or something along those lines. But Look, make no mistake. They're playing the college semifinals and finals. Oh, there's uh, – yeah. I mean, no doubt. That's happening. Yeah. Not in question. Not up for debate at all. Right. So, we'll see what it looks like. Should we we talk about that team that's going to be playing in this college football playoff? I mean, it is the Bearcat Bounce podcast. It, it's pretty insane that uh, there's this team called the Bearcats and they're, they're bouncing their way over to the playoffs. Don't, don't you PTP me about that one, Aaron, right? Anyway. Huh? Huh? Jeez. But there was a, okay. So coach of the year. Yeah. Again, none other than Luke fickle, big right. time moment for Luke fickle. And we continue to see these awards given out left and right and, and, and in and out. And before we get to those awards, I want to ask Chad Brendel and Aaron Smith to tell me about the times that you guys went to practice last week. Because I know we got little snippets, uh, a mention of Evan Prater's big day here, a couple other things there. But first off, tell me a little bit more about this puke smell. And then Ooh. aside from that, who else kind of was really stepping out and and showing you guys something, because obviously this is a team that we've mentioned it numerous times. When spring football rolls around next year, that's going to be when we're, these practice reports will be like hot off the press. Who's looking good now here and there. This team's already kind of, we know who they are to this point. But who kind of caught your eye? What storylines were you really following? And uh, just, just just an overall overall view of it. Uh, and, and of course, the, the stinky smell. Well, I know we hit on it a couple times uh, over the course of the nightcaps uh, over the last week or so. But, yeah, I mean, we were both happy that – I know I can speak for Chad on this – that we were both happy that we were wearing masks in the bubble so we didn't have to smell what the actual bubble smelled like. What, um, was, it, what was it? Did you guys ever find out? So I, they, they, I know what they're blaming it on. I don't know if I believe them. But they're blaming it on – the the Gatorade being dumped into the like drainage system in the bubble and going bad. Hmm. That's what they're blaming it on. So some but I've never sugar. In, I've never experienced Gatorade that smelled like vomit. <laughs> so I'm skeptical. Stinky sugar. Okay. Aaron, do you buy the spoiled Gatorade uh story uh looking at the shape that that bubble is in absolutely not right (laughs) i'm convinced like somebody threw up in the bubble like working out or you know a team practicing or whatever somebody got sick in the bubble and it didn't get cleaned and so the the bubble smelled like vomit for a week was it in one area or the whole thing 
it was mainly when you walked in, but you, if even if you were on the other side, it still was there. Like it's the first time in 18 months where I've been like, thank God for this mask. <laughs> I wish what I would I do if I didn't have this mask on. Who knows? Who knows? What well, good. was practice was wise that, last yeah. week? We, we, we got to look at some of the young guys. Um, a lot of like uh, positional work, a lot of, you know, sharpening of skills for the veteran guys. Fights. They didn't push them too hard last week. Was more like you know get a get a good sweat, um, right? And then the last like thirty minutes of practice, you got to start to see some of the young guys uh, flying around. It, what I love about when those things like it's only twenty thirty minutes, so nobody really gets a chance to like, oh my god, wow you! But right. those guys were getting after it, like really, really physical, playing really hard, um, trying to, you know, this is their last chance to make an impression going into spring, right? Mm -hmm. So I was really impressed with like, you know, again, we've talked about this a lot, like coming out of camp, some of the fun, most fun stuff from camp was watching the third team. Yeah. And that's never been the case here. But watching the third team to see because that's where, you know, the, the, I don't know that outside of, of threats and and the rake, that there was a freshman from the 2021 class on the two deep. So if you needed to, if you wanted to get a look at the young guys, like you had to watch the three. Um, and you got to see a lot of that again. Um, but I will say as good as Evan Prater was last Tuesday, he struggled today. So, and then I think that's the frustrating part with Evan Yeah, is there are these flashes of how good he can be, but there's an underlying concern of the consistency that, that it takes to be good at this level, right? Because right. if your quarterback is off for a full practice, then your receivers don't really get any work, right? right? And your DBs don't really get any work because the quarterback was off. Yeah. Um, so I think that's where, like, that's where they really need to see him take the next step is I'm going to be able to do this. It doesn't have to be every time, but it needs to be better than, you know, like every other time. Like great practice, bad practice, great practice, bad practice. Like where's... Evan has to find his first, he has to find his middle ground and then he has to elevate his middle ground. Mm -hmm. And that's where he's at in this process right now. Yeah. So Aaron, any main players or main plays or anything of that sort kind of, kind of really stick out to you. I mean, I was only there the one day last week um, as opposed to the couple practices chad's been able to take in um and what i saw from prater i mean chad and i just literally were just looking at each other like oh like that was Im impressive i mean and then that was last week so it's uh i don't know i mean it's kind of one of those things where last week's practice i'm sure was entirely different than what we're seeing here with what's going on and as they you know 
strap down and really get to work on what they're prepping for with Alabama. So it's whatever Chad can give us. I'm sure we're all going to soak in, but I'm antsy. I'm antsy to and see. I, like I really can't give a lot from today because today was that first day of game prep. Right. Yeah. Which what I will say about today though was today was that first feeling of like, this is happening, right? The scout team jerseys were back on. They didn't have scout team jerseys on last week because it was, you know, it was just a, like a camp practice kind of. Yeah. Um, now it's game prep. And seeing these veterans get into game prep mode, like the smiles, like Aaron, Aaron, there was last week, there was a lot well, of joking around, right? They were having I'll even, fun. I'll even go back to last week, and, and maybe you didn't feel this way because you see this team every single week. But compared to the last time that I saw them practice, which was all the way back in higher ground, that's the last yeah. football practice that I took in. Um, it was weird to see coaches really getting after it with the guys. And you saw some of that even last week. Um, I, that was the most involved in a practice I've seen even Luke uh, vocally. Um, a lot of times he sits back, especially at higher ground, kind of taking it all in arms crossed and kind of letting the other coaches, you know, kind of, go in on on the guys but he was very involved as far as like even just teaching scheme and you know how to come off a block or what he wanted somebody to do in this particular drill and i'm sure that that's only intensified as they're getting closer and closer to the biggest game in this program's entire history yeah i think last week was more of a coach's week and that you know it was a lot of prepping the young guys and you know just making sure the vets got their work in but not like pushing them to the limit quite yet because they know what's coming up, right? They know what's, what's next in this process and that's getting ready to play Alabama. Um, but you could definitely, and I, you know, I'm obviously not going to get into it today because I'm not giving anything away, but you could definitely see like they're, they've been in the film room breaking down a lot of Alabama. And today there was a lot of like, okay, maybe that's how they're going to try to handle this. Or maybe that's how they're going to try to, you know, go after that. Uh, the one thing I'll say today, it got back to, there was like five or six snaps today where scout team offensive line, my yeah. day was just like, you, <laughs> oh, you, just, like you just have to laugh because it's, it's not right. fair. Right. He, he speed rushed whoever, I can't remember, and it's impossible to tell at times because they have the scout team numbers on, which are Bama's numbers and not the numbers that they normally wear. Mm. Whoever was scout team left tackle at one point in time, the ball snapped and Maje just ran by him to the quarterback. Like he was standing, like he was in quicksand. <laughs> and and no one can go and look at the depth chart because Cam Jones is out, so... Don't uh, don't be jumping to conclusions there, but no. So it was a walk on of some kind. I just don't know okay. which one it was. It, there we go. There we go. So, uh, would you guys say, kind of, there's you know a lot of people have mentioned the wrinkles of, you know, not really trick plays, but but certain things that that Alabama might not be expecting. Did you guys get the sense of like not really giving away anything, but that hey, like this this looks like a a staff that is overly comfortable with with what they have right now or or did you sense any tenseness or you know kind of just because obviously you, you got game prep for Alabama starting today before that Alabama is still going to be in the back of your mind even if you don't want it to be 
Uh, was it kind of just the same as you've been seeing since, like you said, Aaron, during fall practice, you know, at Campire Ground? Or or is is it kind of look like they're a little bit more locked in? Or is it kind of just, hey, we've, we've ridden this wave all the way to here. Let's keep on riding. They are who they are. Right. I don't think that's changing at this point. Like, which, is, which should be the answer. That should be the answer. Yeah. I mean, did I see some things that looked a little different today in terms of like some of the things they were working on? Like specifically, this is what we think Bama's going to do. This is how we think we're going to counter it. Yeah. But did I see them look, you know, different than they've looked all season? No. Right. Which is awesome. Which is how it should be. Which I am beyond excited and thrilled to see kind of all the talk that award-wise and, and draft prospect-wise that these Cincinnati players are getting. Um, we talked about it ad nauseum, but now the rest of the country is finally starting to see, like, wow, they've got, you know, six players and yeah, top, top 150, different things of that sort. But make no mistake, Nick Saban's telling his wide receiver room. Yeah. Oh, these are the best two corners in the country? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's see if you guys are up to up to snuff against the best two corners in the country. Like that target on their back is going to be substantial. Yeah. Substantial okay. as we get to New Year's Eve. It is. And Alabama has the perpetual target on their back, so Sure. Uh, it's it's kind of one of those things where everyone as they should. Yeah. Everyone mentioned last year the whole George is not going to show up this, that, and the other. And I have seen little inklings of that when, when it comes to Alabama and their thoughts on things, how, how, you know what the, and, and we're going to get a lot more into depth about Alabama all next week, especially on, on the BBP. Hopefully I f- figure someone out that could come on and, and chat Crimson Tide with us for a little bit. But um, you know, it, it just was kind of that talk of, yeah, it, the only reason that Alabama could struggle in this game is if they, you know, take Cincinnati lightly and come out slow and, and different things of that sort. I don't think there's any chance of that happening in this one. I, I mean, maybe if, if certain players might think it, but as a whole, I really don't don't think it, it'll be that because Cincinnati has gotten as much talk of any team probably that played Alabama in this first round of the college football playoffs. So it's going to be lights on from the get go, and and I think. That's what the Bearcats know is coming at them as well. Sorry, I just I just got confirmation on our guest for the Wednesday night BCJ podcast this week. Oh, who are you guys having on? I'm excited about this one. Okay. We we've had our our parade of national guests all year. Right. I think this one might be my favorite. Okay. Dan Wetzel. Danny Wetzel. From the College Football Inquirer podcast with our friend Pete Thamel, Pete Thamel. and Pat and Forty. Pat Forty, yeah. I, I'm 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 geeked about that because I think knowing, like, listening to that podcast and and know, getting to know Dan Wetzel a little bit through that, I think he's going to vibe really well with David. I I think we're gonna I think we're gonna have a fun podcast on Wednesday. Yeah, he's he's got some good personality in that. Yeah, I think he's gonna like I think he's gonna mesh with us really well. So uh I'm excited for for Dan Wetzel joining us. And he's 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 with Yahoo, he does great investigative reporting. 
Um, he's a, he's a must follow in the college football space. And, uh, I think we're going to have some fun on Wednesday night. So sorry, I was, I was interrupted there, but I was communicating, uh, with Dan to lock that up for the podcast on, on Wednesday night, Aaron, I will get you his email to send him the StreamYard link. Sounds good. Sorry for the, the disruption, but. Breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. Hey, we got Dan Wetzel joining us. BCJ Pod is the, the family of networks all, all coming through. The BCJ nice. Podcast Network. Yeah. We added, we added the, 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 the Cincinnati Football Recruiting Podcast last week. Mm-hmm. So we're uh, onward and upward. We're just, we're keeping to blow up. There we go. Rock and roll. Um, do we want to look at any of these questions in the comments? I just found the button where I can click and look at them. I didn't know if this is. Um, I was going to drop them in as we went through the mailbag. Yeah, that's that's fine. Let's wait till then because mailbag's kind of light, so it'll be it good to have them. This week, um, so so we'll do uh we'll do we'll do the quick superlative thing because I don't see another time that we'll be able to do it other than after the season, but that'll be kind of more of a uh, look into the future type ordeal. Um. And this is Chad's favorite thing. Chad uh, reached out to Aaron and I uh, <laughs> earlier this, this weekend and said, hey, guys, I, I really love these superlatives of the season as kind of a uh, recap because it's kind of a slower week. And I said, I said, whoa, you know how much I love these, these, this content, man. And that's all I said. So we're going we're, we're gonna to do what Chad wants to do. We're going to do a little bit of superlatives. And uh, this, this is not going to be, you know, we're not going to say uh, – Hey, this guy was the best player on the offensive side because he put up these stats. I want, I want you guys to get a little tricky with it. Have a little fun with it. Shake and groove with it. Give me a little uh, a little added uh, Shiraz with it. And we're going to start with this. We are going to start with the offensive MVP. MVP is not always the, the player that puts up the biggest stats and, and whatnot, but kind of, kind of the one that you guys saw throughout the season. And I think it's a pretty easy answer, a couple, couple one, two, three, or four. But – you guys had to give out the MVP overall offensively. Who are we giving that one to? I feel like it would be Des Ritter. I mean, just given everything that he's done, and that's not very much higher than Jerome Ford. Mm-hmm. I'd be tempted to go with Ford, man. It's I know it's close. Des. It's I know close. it's Des. It's real close. But what, 1,400 yards, 17 touchdowns? Would it like – Jerome Ford had himself a year. And and when when Ford was on, the offense had a different level to it. Um yes, there were there were certain games when when you know Ford wasn't really getting his own or or he was out that they really flourished as well. But yeah, Ford Ford was kind of that player when he was when he would break a big run or two, it would kind of be that extra score that would boost the team forward to just coasting the rest of the way. So well, and it would be from 80 yards. Right. Exactly. Like I, it, it was, he is the, like he is the epitome of a home run hitter. Yeah. Because it, it, it's one of, I, in terms of, and I don't think even Pete had this as much as Ford did Agreed. where you would know within one second of the handoff. Right. Yeah. If you saw him hit that hole and race into the secondary, you're instantly just like touchdown. At six, well, I, that, Aaron, that dude's gone. Aaron would know because I would I would hit him in the press box <laughs> <laughs> every single time that he was like would get past the linebackers. I'd be like, "Yep." Are, I mean, are we getting kicked out of Jerry World? 
Yeah. Yes. I feel like we're not if, allowed to sit next to each other. If we win, I'm finding Jerry Jones. I don't care if he's not even there. <laughs> the other big news: all four BCJ credentials approved. We'll be rolling deep rolling at Jerry deep. World. It, and you know what? The the biggest question is this: after they win, knock on wood, knock on wood, where are we all going afterwards? I'm going to Cincinnati. Oh, you're going home already? Yeah. Wait, you guys are leaving right after the game? Yep. You too, Aaron? I'm there, and I'm leaving the morning of the second. Ooh! Aaron, we'll we'll have to see what's going on. I've got a basketball game to cover Saturday night. Oh. I'm not going to remember Saturday night if we win. Well, Friday night is the game. Correct. You're not going to remember Friday night, Saturday night. Probably Heck. part of Sunday as your mom drives home. I'll just be happy if I get back to Cincinnati and know my name. <laughs> yeah, we, we we find you somewhere random and you got to buy one of those $1,100 plane tickets back home. As long as I don't end up in like Tijuana or anything crazy. You, you might end up in Mexico, but Tijuana is a long way from Dallas. We'd have, to, we'd have to go to San Diego first. Things can get crazy. Once, once you get over the border, things get real crazy. Aaron, I'm I'm kind of liking the thought of me and you, New Year's Eve night, wrap it on. Let's get it rolling. Anyway, yeah, I'm I'm in the car, rolling rolling back to the natty. Once once we get uh, rolling back to the natty to get ready to cover the natty. If you know not, what I'm saying, not sure you'll be able to to to. Yes, I, well, I do know what you're saying, but um, I'll, what what's this? Brent Young's number one fan. Like, is your mom in here? I don't know, but it's hilarious. And no I, idea. I, I, there you go. I, I posted that already. Brent laughed. A person, well, I mean, it's obviously someone who listens to more than just this. So my guess is Skins would be my guess. I also thought that. <laughs> it's my guess. but um, And no. thank you on the Players Roundtable. That was awesome. Yeah, it was a good time. How well, about Aaron stepping up in Dave's shoes? Yeah. It was fun. A lot of fun. Right, on that riding one. shotgun on the on the BCJ pod. Had no idea it was even happening until it was happening. Hmm. That was a blast. I didn't know that it would go that well. Because you never know. Like you're you're dealing with people that don't really, you know, those guys all are former players, but they're not exactly like guys that hang in the same circles per se. And uh we need a Ben Mock podcast. Like, yeah. need a Ben Mock podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, it's Des. Boy, I'd be tempted to go with Jerome Ford. Yep. Boy, I'd be tempted to go with Jerome Ford. The defensive player of the year one is going to be. And 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 I want to say Alec Pierce too because man, I just... yeah. Pierce he, had a phenomenal season. That I don't Notre know Dame that he's up in that. Kinda, right. I think right. he's at like at the top of that next group. Yeah. If I had a, if yeah. I had to go one two three, it would be Ritter, Ford, Pierce. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, so we aren't hopping over to defense quite yet because we have to go with the offensive biggest surprise. Um, biggest surprise to us. Or biggest surprise in general, because Tyler Scott was not a surprise to us. Right, but... But I think if you were an outsider, like if you were just a casual fan, 
when this season started, you knew very little about Tyler Scott. Mm-hmm. Um, the fans that had a Bearcat Journal membership, obviously, knew our affinity for for what we thought Tyler Scott was going to be able to do. Um, but even like a like Trey Tucker had a great year, but Trey Tucker had been a guy that everybody was excited about because he had kickoff return for a touchdown. He had made some big plays. Like I think everybody was was excited for Trey Tucker. I don't think nearly as many people knew yet about Tyler Scott. Um, so I would have to go biggest surprise, Tyler Scott. Well, I, Mr. Merck J just stole mine. I was going to go, and I haven't. Dang, I didn't even see his. I literally, I was in a different screen messing around with a ticker. I was literally going to say Mets as well. Um, just knowing what we knew about him last year with all the issues he had with the false starts and penalties and just trying to figure it all out, put it all together. Um, Lorenz Metz has been fantastic this year, filling in for wherever he was really needed. Um, well, it's largely- just he filled in a, he filled in right guard because Vinny got Vin- mono. Vinny. Yeah. In, in, in all of this that's going on, Vinny got mono and lost like 30 pounds. When I say wherever he was needed, I mean, it was sometimes starter duty, sometimes fill-in yeah. duty, sometimes yeah. mop-up duty. Like, it wasn't always necessarily the same role he was always playing, if you will. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Mets was in my opinion, I think the biggest surprise. Yeah. Um, mess was, was my pick. Uh, let's pull out one, another one. Um, let's roll with, uh, Oh man. I, I mean, the answer is what you guys have already said. Tyler Scott or Lorenz Metz. Um, I mean, I guess you could maybe say possibly, I mean, Dylan O'Quinn, we knew what we were going to get at him, but he was, he was not, so a tackle. Not, not at right, right. tackle. Right. And and he was just so rock solid. I think O'Quinn and, deserves a mention here. Yeah, he was he was a player that you plugged in there and you didn't get worried about. And then when yep. there was some befuddlement at other positions, you were like, should we move Dylan O'Quinn over there to solve that? And that's just a testament to how good he really was. And you know, we mentioned it a lot. Whenever you don't mention the offensive lineman, it's a good thing, more more likely than not. So I think Dylan O'Quinn did a really good job. Um I Tunstall did did pretty solid as well. I think mm-hmm. he obviously had some some games that were down, you know, some matchups that were against his against his liking. But I mean, overall, the offensive line was really starting to click as the season wore on. So yeah, I think Mets, Tyler Scott, and uh, Dylan O'Quinn. There's no doubt. If we hadn't seen the uh, the camp that we saw out of Lenny, I think you could have included Lenny as one of those surprises as well. But people we, were still talking about Lenny as an NFL guy, though, coming into the like. We knew so many weapons that it's just like it. Lenny's had those games, especially the Notre Dame game. He had like three catches, I think, but he made the most of all three. So, yeah, I think, uh, I I mean, Lenny would be, I I really hope he comes back because that would be a lot of fun to have him be one of the main targets for this team next year. But anyway, uh, next up is defensive MVP. This is an interesting one because the defense really, they kind of all really sparked together. But uh, I don't know. Answers, it, guys. It has to be sauce because yeah. I've never seen anyone successfully eliminate an entire field. side of the field. Right. Like I've never seen any. I've never seen anything like that. Like you know, like the Jets, like, like Revis Island when they joked about that. Revis still gave up, you know, a catch or two here or there. Like you know, the guy yeah. didn't give up more than 20 yards in a game right the entire season 
He didn't, again, for the third year, he didn't give up a touchdown. Like, so we aren't going to get a full appreciation for what Sauce did until next year. When the boundary is open again, right? (laughs) Right? Like, when the boundary is open again next year, we're going to be like, what the shit? Like, what are they doing completing passes to this guy? How is our number one receiver making plays on us? I mean, mean, it's it's so crazy to the fact that Sauce Gardner, teams didn't even look his way to the point that he would come freely on blitzes and light up quarterbacks left and right. I, I mean... It's, it's sauce. And then it's great to say that, though, when you've got the Thorpe Award winner on the other side. You've got two The question is number two. Who, yeah. Two linebackers who really just were extremely good throughout the entire season. And then another one who's kind of shared, shared time but is a budding star. Then you have a defensive lineman. And and I'm not even talking about the one that, that everyone talks about on all the draft boards. The other one was the, the one other that one would that be in was, this conversation. Yeah, an absolute beast. Who was this? This defense was playing at their best when he was playing at his best. Um, I don't know. The answer know is sauce. Two is. The answer is sauce, but number two. Aaron, who's your number two? I mean, as much as I want to say Kobe, I, I think I'd probably go to Blanco, um, and with with Pace as a as a number three. But uh, yeah, I think I I think I'd still go to Blanco. He held the middle of the field down all season long. And he was just solid, always, like, always. Wore some fire glasses in the post game press conference. <laughs> there was that. Yeah, Chad. Right? I, no, I, think I want, I want your number two. Mine is Curtis Brooks. I said in the beginning of the season that this the defensive line in the trenches would be at their best if Curtis Brooks was the first team All Conference player. Yeah, with the snarl, with the and snarl, he, and he absolutely dominated certain games, moments of certain games. And, I mean, you talk about some of the great interior defensive linemen that the team has had throughout you know, the past five years. You have to mention him in the same breath with the Copelands and with, you know, Cortez Broughton, and, and you continue to go through, you know, even, even Ponder didn't play on the inside, but he kind of had the same effect on a game like what Curtis Brooks had. And when Brooks was just dominating in the interior line, you could just see that defense take a different notch. Um, he didn't. He benefited a lot from the attention that Maje got on the outside. Of course, but we thought it was going to be the other end that benefited from the attention yeah. Maje got. And, it was yeah. Brooks, right? Right. But hey, Mark, shut up! <laughs> shut up, bro. Oh no, I agree with him too. But I, but That's I got to give a shout two. out. I got to give a shout out to, to Curtis, because Curtis deserves it. Yeah, go ahead, Brian Cook. Like, there could have been, and in pretty much every yes, Curtis Brooks is is maybe my number three. Like the the, the problem is there's like seven right answers to this question. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, we Kobe, didn't even mention Darian Brooks, Beavers, DeBlanco. My double teamed every play. Right. Like there's, there's a whole lot of right answers to this question. Um, but man, with, with the loss of wig and, and the loss of, uh, of Defoe, yeah. this team could have been hurting at safety, man. 
They could have been hurting at safety. And, like, Cook just personified. I think he kind of became the the internal heartbeat of this defense, right? He was banged up all year. And right. every Tuesday, that guy was out there at practice. Like, multiple, like, nicks and, and bumps and bruises that most guys would have taken a couple days off. Yeah. And they had to put him in the red jersey. Like, they had to, like, limit him and protect him from himself. That's a bad man right there. That's a bad man, bro. And to have the path that he had, right, yeah. nobody wanted him out of high school. Right. Had one scholarship offer to Howard. Went to Howard for two years, balled out, came home, had the city year, which was a smart thing to do because at the time, you don't think I'm getting on the field with Wiggins and Forrest. Then Wig blows his knees up, knee out. I agree, Tony. Cook was the enforcer on that defense. Like, he is such a nice kid. Man, now. Not a kid anymore. <laughs> such a nice dude. Yeah. But he puts that helmet on, boy. And you know he's coming. You know he's coming. And we saw it. We saw a preview of it in the Peach Bowl last year. Yep. I'm going to I'm gonna make a bold prediction. He gets drafted higher than Wiggins and Forrest did. Ooh, I hope so. Because he deserves it. And, and you know what, Chad? You mentioned his big big game in the Peach Bowl. He had a big game against Notre Dame too. He did. He was him. Him and Hicks were both singled against uh, Mayer a couple times. Yeah. And and Mayer somehow throughout the game ended up really getting hurt and kept on going. But still, it was Brian a Cook. Right, Brian <laughs> Cook. But you really saw Brian Cook's effect on a game when the bright bright lights were on. Yeah. And Peach Bowl man, he was the one that was flying and and making the hits. And really, just just being the kind of the difference maker on the defense. Him, him, and I thought Arquan had a really good game. Arquan got beat once or twice, but I mean that's to be, be expected when you're told pregame that you're getting mashed up with Pickens the entire game. But right, and um, when when Georgia's whole game plan was we have to just throw it deep and hope something happens, right? Because we can't do shit else against this defense, right? Exactly. We can't run on them. We can't throw on them to the flats. We can't beat them to the edge. We have to just chuck it over the top. And hope something have, happens. Have a first round draft pick, have two diving catches and right. Yeah. I, I, I just man, if I'm if I'm picking a dude, well, I and maybe this is kind of how my thought process is. Yeah. If I'm picking a dude to go to war with on that defense, yeah. First it's sauce. Yeah. Second, I think it's it's cook. I mean, you and partly because he scares the shit out of me. Like we've said, we you could go you couldn't go wrong with with picking quite a few of them. So. Yeah, there's like seven. Yeah, there's, but no. there's there are seven second best players on this defense. <laughs> it's, it's crazy to think that you can literally just be like, "Yep, that works." No, oh yeah, that one works too. But anyway, that that leads us to big a surprise of the defense, and I think Aaron already kind of mentioned him as yeah. uh, as as the second best, which means that he was one heck of a surprise. Guys, in, in DeBlanco, in Pace, or in Kobe? Pace. <laughs> right. I, I, actually, the answer is probably Kobe. Kobe winning the Thor Award. Yeah, I agree. That's who Kobe I was be, going to go with. Kobe being named the best yeah. defensive back in America. Right. 
What were the odds on that in Vegas to start the season? Zero. Right? Uh, like off off the board. Off the board. Off the, we're not letting you win that much money. <laughs> My pick's pace still. Um, because we kind of knew Kobe, you know, and yes, we, this, this we knew year Kobe was, was good. We didn't know Kobe was great. The, right, right, right. And and to and in the same sense, we we knew pace was good. We didn't know that he was going to be splitting shares and still ending up as like a top three tackler on the team. Yeah. And, and leading the team in interceptions and just so many things that he did throughout the season, like that, that IU game, you go back and watch that and sure, Indiana became terrible, but in that game, they were every bit as good as any team in the country and they were playing lights out. Deshaun Pace made some monster plays throughout that game, whether it'd be a tackle for a loss or, you know, a, a tackle that prevented a big gain or, and then of course the interception at the end. So, I mean, pay surprised me and he is someone that I see every pregame out on the field. And I'm like, man, that, that kid is turning into just a beast. I, it looks like he's a great grown. Year. Yeah. It looks like he's grown a couple inches throughout the year somehow. And I, he looks like he looks the part. No, what? I'm, I'm just visually, <laughs> visually. He looks the part, and, and I mean, he's my pick for the biggest surprise because I knew Kobe was going to be there on the other side. I didn't know he was going to be that good, but right. And well, I, we like worried. I, there was a worry about Kobe. Like, if nobody throws the sauce, is Kobe going to be able to hold up? Yeah, and it actually held up so well. People stopped throwing at Kobe, right? And they started throwing at Bush and Hicks whenever they could get Bush and Hicks yeah. into coverage. So. Yeah, it was wild. I, 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 pace is not the wrong answer. Yeah, but I think Kobe, like he took a leap. He didn't take a step in his performance. He took a leap in well, his well, performance. And, and honestly, like you, you consider if he hadn't, what would have happened as people picked on him as opposed to right? I mean, he stepped up if, literally in the spotlight. Like if the tape got out that he was right. the weak link, all oh, eyes. It could have got ugly. All eyes were on him, and I mean, I know people didn't love him playing seven yards off the ball. It turns out it that's worked. a scheme. Turns that's out not his call, right? But it turns out it worked, and it you know it worked well enough to only get him heralded as the best defensive, <laughs> defensive back, back in, the, in country. the country. So second best defensive back on his team, the best um, defensive back in the country. You know, he he had maybe the third best defensive back on his team, but that's an argument for a different day. He he had all eyes on him, and he stepped into the role and relished it, and it was exactly what you want out of such a leader on this team. Yeah, he is the leader of that defense. Like while while Cook's the enforcer, like kind of the heartbeat, the physicality. Mm-hmm. Kobe is the dude that they listen to. And well, and a quick mention as well of of Javon Hicks. I I don't think that he got enough praise for not had a good year. He he had a good year. He he wasn't mentioned negatively, which right. is something at safety you can really easily get picked on as wow, he let that one over the top. And I think his sophomore year, he he was obviously a huge playmaker, but I think he was susceptible to letting a couple of plays get over the top. And that didn't happen this year. And that's also a, a hat tip to the pressure up front and the two cornerbacks locking down as well. So I mean it's just it's awesome when they click as a whole. Um next up is Offensive underclassmen with the most promise. And this could be from the games. This could be from what you saw in practice. This could be from what you've heard. It's an easy answer, right? 
if you're going with the games. I, I like just an underclassman, meaning a sophomore or below. Sophomore or below. Any sophomore or below. Any sophomore or below. Ethan Jake Renfro. Jake Renfro is going to play center in the NFL for a long time. But but we are. <laughs> I mean, we already knew that he was good. I guess like I and I know I know. I'm answering the question I, I was am, asked. I am. If you're Aaron, if you're Aaron, making me do Aaron, superlatives, your answer. Aaron, I'm, I'm, I'm answering the question. That I was fucking asked. I guess I forget about him because at being a sophomore. Because he seems like a senior, right, right? Right. So I was going with Ethan Wright because, I mean, the kid doesn't stop. He's exactly what you look for in a guy. On offense or defense? On offense. <laughs> Starting On safety offense. for your Cincinnati Bearcats. But, yeah, I mean, we, we saw everything that we wanted to see out of him uh, because th- that was a big question mark we had going into the season as to who's going to back up Jerome Ford. And we knew he Jerome Ford was capable of being a bell cow. Jerome Ford misses some games, and we're able to see some guys, Chuck McClellan, get on the field and show us, hey, my knees work again. Um, Ethan Wright, get out there and just go, go, go. Um, you know, we got to see a little bit out of uh, the Montgomery's. So, Good to see Ethan Wright get in there and and just show us what he was capable of. Yeah, uh, mine my, my pick was Tyler Scott. Uh, we had that as the biggest surprise as well, but I think that he is developing into a receiver that the staff is very comfortable with. That the staff and the office as a whole is dedicated certain parts of the offensive drive to. Uh, Ryan Montgomery is he, he's technically a sophomore, right? COVID. Yes. Technically. Technically. 19. Right, well, no. Carry the one. Ryan Montgomery showed some some glimpses as well. But if, if I have to go to the running back room and look at a player that kind of made me be like, wow, this guy runs angrily. And I'm excited to see what he has as it moves on. I'm going with Ethan Wright out of that group. But – my pick is, is Tyler Scott, and I, and I honestly think as well, Jaden Thompson. That's um, what I was going to say. If I'm going to pick a young wide receiver that's set to break out, yeah, Jaden Thompson, because I think you're going to see Jaden Thompson at the boundary to replace Alec Pierce. Right. Like, like he'll be the leader in the clubhouse for that job going into next year. Yeah. So you'll have him in the boundary, Tyler Scott in the field, Trey Tucker in the slot. And there's that's, a reason. There's a reason that Dez went to Jaden Thompson on that fourth down in the third quarter against Houston. Because he was open? Well, no, he was, he was blanketed. He drew a drew a pass interference. He threw a no, dart. I know. I'm, I'm because, because he's, a dickhead, Brad. Right. No, he's got some he's, he's got some faith in him. That, yeah. That's And that's how you know that in practice, behind scenes, Jaden Thompson is making plays. So, yeah, I mean, that it's, it's exciting because spring practice, check it out. Who's going to fill the shoes of all these – Mammoth program changers. Yeah, it's gonna be a lot of talent. Who's replacing the legends? Yeah, it's gonna be a lot of talent. I, I mean, Will Pauling even Denbrock mentioned Pauling again. Will Pauling had a nasty practice today. Oh, buddy, <laughs> he looked good. Aaron, I mean, it, 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 it was funny on two, last Tuesday though, wasn't it? Will Pauling had a, a, a ball deep that he he mm-hmm. just barely struggled to to come in with, and Sauce and Kobe who were not practicing. This is when the young guys were practicing. Sauce and Kobe think so much of Will Pauling. They came over all the way across the field from where Mm -hmm. the defense stands to give Will Pauling shit. 
walking all the way back up the sideline. Chirped at him the whole way, 50 yards at least, chirped at him the whole way. You don't do that to a nondescript freshman that, like, nobody knows their name. Right, right. Will Pauling's going to – Will Pauling mixed in with with Trey Tucker. The slot is – and JoJo Bermudez coming in. The slot is in good hands going forward with this program. They're set. They're set. Um, Now flip it over. Defense. Underclassman who – has shown you promise. Obviously, the, the answer is Deshaun, Deshaun Pace. Deshaun Pace is a sophomore. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so that's the uh, clear and obvious answer. But, I mean, I mean, I mean we don't know. <laughs> yes, the, the only other one who saw the field was threats, right? I mean, you saw well, a little bit. that's the only a freshman. Bit, a little bit of Jaheim Thomas. Yeah. I mean, I guess the answer is probably Jaheim. Yeah. Because um, I thought Jaheim, in the opportunities he was given – Played pretty well. Like there was a couple, but Beavers got dinged up for about half yeah. a game. Yeah, um, he looked like when, he belonged. He got injured like every game, right? Like he's just yeah, always, he's always getting injured. It's just I'm getting back out on the field. Do what you have to do. I'm I'm going back out there. Right. I. It's it, he got hurt. Stuff. He didn't get injured. He got <laughs> hurt. There's he got ding, dinged up between hurt and injured. Yeah. The uh the two play DL, not the not the ten day. Right. But no, I. I think uh, I think it's hard to say. Pace is the obvious answer because he's really the only underclassman that that saw the field, like you guys said. I, I mean, man, that's that's of, awesome and also terrifying. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, There's one sophomore on the field all season on defense. <laughs> I mean, Dustin Watley when he came in, he looked like a beast, um, but that was late. In each game, uh, it's it's just it is really hard to say. Um, I mean, I know Todd Bumpus was getting some some pump up for being a a workout, you know, gym rat. But I mean, aside from that, it's. I mean, Bumpus and Sammy are both intriguing, but it's a long wait. Such, and see. They just have such huge shoes to fill. Yeah, and well, like, oof. How exciting is it? Threats showed you a lot on kickoff. So so did Bumpus. Yeah, I, um, I think Threats has got, got a chance to be really good. Yeah. Yeah, I think the answer, though, is Pace or Jaheim. Uh, and then aside from that, it's uh, tune in to spring practice. <laughs> uh, I'm going to need, like, Aaron, I'm going to need you at spring practice with me this year. Yeah, I think that's, yeah. Because th- there's going to be a lot to write about. The, every the offensive day. scouting report from Chad Brown, defensive <laughs> from Aaron Smith, Aaron yeah. Black Cat Smith, we'll and then it. and then we'll switch every every other day. So Aaron's got offense. Get the full and then, dive. And it'll be yeah. Aaron Let It Fly Smith. I like it. <laughs> I like it. Um, and then biggest storyline throughout the season that you guys kind of flashed onto and enjoyed. Not necessarily the biggest one of the team. You can take that if you want. But what was your favorite biggest storyline throughout? For me, those it was... guys came back and did it, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like that. That's. I don't think it's close, right? Like, think about how crazy this 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 statement is, and I believe it to be a true statement. Losing to Georgia changed the entire history of Cincinnati football. Because if they beat Georgia, right? What left to Dez and Maijay and Brooks and Brown and Kobe and like, you know, what do they have left to prove? Yeah. 
they they went to the Peach Bowl. They went to a New Year's Six Bowl, and they they kicked Georgia's ass. Mm-hmm. And because they lost, those guys all said, "We're not done yet. Job's not finished." And that happens in sports everywhere, right? And you know what usually happens? They don't accomplish the goal, <laughs> right? <laughs> they don't do it better than they did the year before. And these guys said, no, 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 no. We're running it back. We got Notre Dame on the road, Notre Dame Stadium. We're going to go win that shit. We're going to win the American. We're going to make the college football playoff. We're going to take our shot at Alabama. Maybe they win, maybe they lose, whatever. But the story for me is those guys came back to do something and then did it. And that's fucking hard to do. Mm -hmm. Well, currently the team's undefeated in games that I've attended as a, and, and been covering as a member of the media. So just saying. Okay. That's Fair. your storyline of the year. It's I, all about Aaron. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, honestly, though, just getting to watch an undefeated team here in Cincinnati is a team that I grew up watching, loving all of that. I mean, it's been surreal, absolutely surreal. So <coughs> it's it's cool to feel like finally after the Big Twelve snub, after everything that's happened over, you know, with the the blow up of the Big East, the Conference USA stuff, like just we belong, and it's it's super cool yeah chad you said des returning and i agree with that but mine is the the whole entire covid year players returning the super seniors because well yeah but that, i meant it as a collective like the, the entire right. group saying we're coming right. back to a, to to change the narrative yeah so it's it's just something that's unheard of because uh, right. every team has super seniors so this is the one time that you saw the super senior effect have Look. a mammoth effect on one team that Rode it all the way to a college football playoff appearance and, and a historic one as well. So, yeah. Brooks, Brown, and DeBlanco played a full season for Tommy Tuberville. <laughs> like, that, that is a thing that happened. There are three guys on this team that played for a coach who hasn't coached in Cincinnati since December of 2016. It's had the almost Bengals, 2022. Bengals head coach on the staff. Right. Like, think, think of how insane that is that there's three guys on this team that, that played for someone other than Luke Fickle who is finishing his fifth season. Right. Uh, well, and then, I mean. Garrett and, Campbell and, thinks this team is old. <laughs> and you continue looking down the line, though, uh, you know, and, and it's Darian Beavers blows up his draft stock. Kobe yep. Bryant wins the Thorpe Award. Jordan blows up Jones, his draft stock. Yeah, blows up his draft. Jordan Jones has a senior moment in the in the Chili Special against against uh, freaking not Tulsa. Yes, Tulsa. No, no, no. It was against uh, SMU. 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 Yeah. yeah. The and it's just like all these guys came back, and they did it. They 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 did it, and it was with Dez. And with my Jay as well. So, uh, you know, it's it's awesome to see. And the super senior thing is something that I guess is around for the next four years. I don't know. Yes. I, I don't think anyone knows how, how exactly that calendar is going to work from here on out. But, yeah, that, that to me was the biggest storyline was just seeing 
Joel DeBlanco, Darian Beavers, just all these players making taking that next step, Kobe Bryant and so on and so forth, Brown, Brooks, just everyone. So, yeah, that was awesome. But last but not least, I think I know what most of your guys' answers are for this one. But it is the favorite moment of the season. I wrote about mine just being yeah. on the field and, and getting to soak in as the confetti's flying, as Brent and I sitting or standing next to each other under the field goal post as the clock hits zero, fans yeah. rushing onto the field in an undefeated regular season. Yeah. With fans. Yep. Chad? Um, I think mine's a little different. Seeing Bearcat Journal become something I never thought it like was. Like, Aaron can attest to this. We couldn't walk 30 feet in the grid on a game day without, like, Chad. people stopping us. Like, Chad, Aaron, like, you know, like, mm -hmm. like, we started this thing in 2006. And, like, you couldn't find five people on campus that knew who we were, right? right. Like. Seeing Bearcat Journal take this ride with the football program and the basketball program in so many ways as well, but like seeing us become part of the, like a real part of this culture, I think has just been, I needed it, man. I had a, I had a rough year. I had a rough September to December. Right. And the games that I was allowed to go like getting to experience that and feel like, you know, feel the support that everybody had for Kelly, which is why everybody stopped me. Let's, you know, it was always Chad, how's Kelly? Which is exactly how it should be. I'm not, I don't want people to think that, but like knowing that we've become a real part of this community and like where people go to not only like get the news, but to discuss, and debate and interact in the community that we built and seeing that evolve over something like this, I genuinely feel like we had an impact yeah. in the fan base's ability to connect and enjoy the greatest season in program history. And for that, like I'm forever indebted to the staff, to the members, to the people that have supported us from the beginning, to the people that are just hopping on board now and realizing like we do this better than anybody else. That part for me has been uplifting. It's carried me through some dark ass times over the past four months. Um, so that's getting a little selfish with the answer for me, but it felt different this year. Mm-hmm. Like, and maybe that's, you know, maybe that's what we missed in the COVID year was that progression. Yeah. But 2020, we, we, we didn't get any of that. We didn't have any interaction with the fan base. We didn't have any interaction with the public. Right. So when it returned in 2021, it felt like something changed. And maybe it was, we got people through COVID, right? Yeah. Maybe it was we were their outlet. We were, you know, they couldn't go to games. So they went to games virtually through us. And I know Aaron hadn't joined yet, but he was part of the fans that were living through us and trying to get on and become part of this. And I don't know, man, like it just, it, it hit different this year. 
like what BCJ has become and how we've become so uh, much a part of this culture and this community has been awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And thanks um, to you guys for that. Cause you guys are a big part of that as well. Like this podcast has far exceeded any, like, you know, when you start a podcast, it usually takes a long time for that podcast to, to pop. This thing pops with the fan base right away. They accepted it and loved it right away. And you guys have been a big part of that. So that's, uh, that's where I'm at on that. Thanks, Dad. Yeah. Well, uh, well, well, good answers, guys. <laughs> that was that was sappy, I know, but no, that's good. I, you know, I'm gonna give you my my legit yeah. feelings on it. Uh, that was that was like your Dan Levitard day after freedom speech. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, mine was the win at Notre Dame. <laughs> no, it was that was cool. It was a. Uh, I mean, I was there, um, and. You guys don't really have probably a bunch of friends that are Notre Dame fans. I mean, maybe here in the next your coverage year. of that game was incredible, and it was just it was crazy because they uh, thanks they um, what was it bad? <laughs> Wasn't that the game you? No, no, it was Indiana you went to as a fan. My bad. Oh no, yeah. I was yeah. trying to get a dig in, but I got the wrong game. I got the wrong damn no. game. No, the the Notre Dame game was one where you were yeah I, you were there in the press box. Had a oh, bunch of friends bad. that. That's were, my bad. That's on me. That's my bad. He just got to dunk on everybody all year with all the Indiana wins. Like Cincinnati <laughs> owned the state of Indiana. He just got to dunk all over all of his friends. I did, I did, but it, you know it was it was awesome. Just uh, the the Let's Go Bearcats chant was up there with with some of the more crazy things I've ever been a part of. Um, Something you never thought you would see. No, no, not at all. And, and and of course it was it was a uh it was a thing where you guys don't have just like I'm I'm telling you three group chats with just people that are just obsessed with Notre Dame, just diehards. And it's just like that's all I heard. It was like bring up recruiting rankings, bring up this, that, and the other, kind of kind of what the Bama fans are doing right now. And to see what the team was able to do, and then at the end being on the field. For the final, you know, five minutes of the game, seeing the big, you know, Malik Van sack with Marcus Brown, I believe, and and just Dez out there with the flag. It was it was next level. That I was mean, uh, that that was a we made it feeling before, you know, obviously the rest of the year went through. Chad, no one has seen anyone do what Cincinnati did at Notre Dame to take over the stadium in that fashion with the red and the chants and all of that, like. I mean, it, it happened in the, their their last home loss before Cincinnati. So what? It, it was just twenty six games. So that would have been like six five, seven five, years five ago. Years, it, Georgia, when Georgia went in there, Georgia did the same thing. Like two thousand. Georgia took Olympics. over Notre Dame Stadium. Yeah, so that's. Like a- it, that's a cool comment right there, kind of following up on what you had to say, Chad. Tony Hill says, I'm from Detroit, living in Honolulu as we speak, and I've become a new fan over the past five years with your football program. So, I mean. Welcome, Tony. <laughs> kind of what we're talking about, living. I'm glad you found us. When are like... you going to invite us to Honolulu? I mean, what, <laughs> hey, what's up, dog? What the heck is this all about? Living... I'd like to surf. Living Tony. vicariously through us, so that's that's great. 
Tony, you got the hook on. I need some huli huli chicken in my life. It's one dish I've never had that I need to have. Huli huli chicken. Huli huli. All right, we are at one forty-seven. We need to get to this mailbag, even though it is fairly light. One. So yeah. um, let's get it started here. Uh, did want to mention that this is sponsored. Woo! So I don't I... know. It's it's sponsored by five one three shirts dot com. Um, if you want to filibuster for me while I set up all the imaging here, five one three shirts dot com. Head over to five one three shirts dot com. Get your hats. Get your hats. Get your Bearcat Journal hats. Look at those. The ones with the back. The one. The, the one fit all hats. The Bearcat Journal hats. You can get your Bearcat Journal shirts. You can get your Bearcat Journal sweatshirts. You can get the red helms. Are the Bearcats going to wear red helms in no. the college football playoff? No, I think they can. Not. No, I think because yeah, Bama's going to be wearing those crimsons. So yeah, yeah. Um, I'm I'm all for. There we are. Look at this. Go to the go go to go to partners. Well, it's not just us, right? It's it's right anything on the site. So yeah, yeah. I know, but I want to I want to showcase our stuff. Like, yeah, the cool stuff. I mean, all of it's cool, but like, look at that. What's that first one say? That's an old one. That was a Mick thing. Don't shoplift tradition. (laughs) But we got the trucker hats, the the winter hats, the beanies. We got the BCJ hoodie, mm-hmm. the masks, the Luke Fickle, the show goes on shirt. Hey, hey. Lot 513shirts.com. 513shirts.com. Aaron, we ready for that BBP mailbag? Yep. Fired on up. All Presented right. by 513shirts.com. Just want to make sure that there are no new additions here. But first thing, uh, is UC at a disadvantage in the transfer portal by being in the CFP or no? Are things happening behind the scenes, or is it totally focused on the job at hand outside of a few players on the team announcing their intentions? If it is a disadvantage, you obviously take that deal. Sure, kind of, um, because you're you're not completely focused on recruiting like a lot of other teams are right now. Um, but you're in a dead period, so you know, not everybody, nobody can actually be like going all out and having kids on campus and, you know, going and doing home visits. That's all shut down right now. And UC has a recruiting staff, you know, Pat and Max and those guys do a great job. So they're constantly scouring the portal every day. Um, Know that things are happening know that there's a lot of those things that I, I can't get into as they are happening yet. Uh, but when we can, we will. Um, if you pay attention closely enough to the Bearcat Journal message boards, there are enough hints and clues in there that, that you'll be prepared <laughs> if things happen and when things start happening. But right now, this team's trying to win the championship, man. All right. So... Yeah, the, the, the things are happening. Yes, they are at a bit of a disadvantage because they're working. And yes, absolutely, you take it. Uh, stuff on the board about Afari working Brown for UK while they were on the visit here together. Think there's truth to this? Not really. I think it's 
a Kentucky site that is uh, not exactly accurate with anything they do. If you look, I think they're the guy that covers recruiting for them is right on like 70% of his crystal ball picks, which is terrible. Um, I do think the families got to know each other while they were here. Right. Um, so I, I think maybe if the kid does flip to Kentucky, that could play a factor in that, you know, they got to spend a lot of time around each other. Uh, but I don't buy that Alex Afari took an official visit to UC to Refer- help Kentucky land an offensive lineman for, that's committed to Cal. Like, <laughs> come on. Really? That's a math lady type situation right there. But no, I, I think, uh, I think like you said, maybe they exchanged numbers and uh, for what I heard, they didn't really even hang like the parents got to know each other, but right. the kids didn't hang out much when yeah. they were on their visit. Cause they were doing, you know, for a Fari, especially like he knows half the, like a bunch of the guys on this team. So, mm-hmm. you know, he knows pace and Corleone and a lot of these young guys that have come from Cincinnati He's doing different things than Jackson Brown was. I, they weren't, they weren't besties. Like you know, I don't buy a lot of what was said from the Kentucky side. That is, you know, no. Moving on, is Sauce looking forward to finally being challenged? Let me text him. Do you not know anything about that kid? Of course he is. Sauce already replied. He's really excited. <laughs> He's like I up. think if you if you left it up to Sauce, he would say, "Where's Jamison Williams? I'm guarding him." Like slot, field, boundary, backfield. Uh, is he is he returning punts? Then I want to be the gunner on the punt. Is he returning kickoffs? Then I'm playing kickoff team. Like, yes, that's one of the most confident kids on the planet. So, yeah, he's looking forward to Alabama coming at him. Absolutely. Get your popcorn ready. All right. And uh, best individual Bearcat Bowl performance ever. Oh, that's a tough one. The Birmingham Bowl was fun. They dominated. But individual, not team effort. Does it have to be Travis? Against Does it Duke? have to be Travis against Duke in the Belk Bowl? Probably. With the way it like he he turned the tide of that game completely, and that was the yeah. the coming out party for Travis Kelsey. Or or was it Nick Davila in the at the Motor City Bowl? In the Motor City Bowl. No, I Man. think yeah, I mean I'd I'd go Travis. If Georgia misses that field goal last year, is it Jerome Ford? <laughs> with the one big run. <laughs> yeah, I didn't do much other than the one big run. Um, Brian Cook. <laughs> Brian was the Cook monster in that game. Coming James, in on a James injury. Hudson, maybe. Yeah, James Hudson. <laughs> now we're just reliving bad memories. Get Moving that question out that. of here. <laughs> Saying that you get seven points if drafted in the first round, six if in the second, and five for being a third-round pick, four for fourth, etc. Who do you think ends up with more points, the offense or defense in this year's draft? Ooh, pretty fun question, UC Merck. That is because now we have to start doing math, right? Uh, so you well, well, I guess, I guess here's 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 the um, here's where you have to start this question. 
do you believe Sauce and Dez first round? That Sauce and Majay are going to have a, a higher score in this hypothetical than Dez and Alec. Because I think yeah. those are the first two guys drafted on each side of the ball, right? Mm-hmm. Probably. And then and then you got to think that Unless Ford sneaks in both there. Beavers and uh, Cook will then be and higher. It's got to be defense. It, it, it would be defense in the end. Because, I mean, after Dez and Pierce, then you're, you're and waiting Ford. for Ford and Wiley. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, so, that's defense. You haven't even mentioned Kobe. Yeah, because, I mean, Kobe would get drafted eventually, and maybe Brooks sneaks in for that plus one in the seventh round. Who knows? So Defense. Time will tell. All right. Uh, moving to basketball. Um, looks like there was a late addition to the basketball one. But uh, segment with Mike. I'm assuming Ray Felt. Ray Felt, yeah. Mike that's Brady. We've talked it's about not, how that's not Ray Felt. It's not a thing. It's not just not Mike's. Mike's not. Mike is very personable, but he's not like a ball of energy like Brady. So, like, if you're going to, if and we're going to have Mike on at some point, but if you're going to have Mike on, that's going to be like a, like a feature segment with a lot of intelligent question and answer and a lot of like detailed look into what his world is like. Brady just will, will, will just go, right? Like Mike wants to, like Mike is going to talk about something. Brady will talk about anything. And it's just the difference in their personality types. What about like Lepore? I feel like he would be. Oh, Lepore would, yeah. Lepore, would be but I don't pretty, know that that would be allowed. Right. Of course, I didn't think that Brady would be allowed to come on here with us like he has. <laughs> Legend. Legend. There is that. Um, sorry, I'm in the middle of adding the one. Um, most realistic 2023 targets for basketball? I don't know. Rayvon Griffith, the 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 point guard that's playing at Linkier Prep from North Carolina, whose name is escaping me right now. Uh, Isaiah Collier, I, but so much of that stuff is going to be determined by you know, what they see on the road in the spring and summer. Like, I, I I wish I had a better answer that I could tell you right now, but they're casting a pretty wide net for 2023, and it's a long way away. And they're still figuring out what they have. And then guess what? When they get to the summer and they add Skillings and Reed and Tolentino, then they're again going to be figuring out what they have and and who left and what they replaced them with. And, you know, it's so far away right now that there's just not a right answer. Yeah. My, uh, my quick thought on that is, man, I am excited for Daniel Skillings. The other two as well. This team needs a Daniel Skillings, but man, Daniel Skillings. Okay. So COVID protocol testing for college football. Basketball, how often they test, who all they test, vaccinated, unvaccinated, both, how many players or staff does it take to be on a pause, et cetera. Just anything you can share on what you know. Don't know. Don't ask. They're not going to tell me if I do ask. My understanding is they're following NCAA protocol. So go check NCAA protocol. That's what they're doing. There you go. All right. 
Uh, which young player develops the most the next two months to be a core player in 2023? Madsen, Hensley, McGinnis, or Lockin? I would hope it's Vic because Vic is the most naturally talented of that bunch. Yeah. I mean, I can I see do. Hensley taking strides. We've seen him taking strides. We've also seen him, you know, have a decent game and then not make much of an impact and a decent game and not make much of an impact. Um, but I, I think the answer, if you're hoping for what's best for this program long-term, I think the best long-term talent on this roster is Victor Locken. Locked in. Um, so I think the answer has to be Vic. Vic, Odie, Mikey Saunders. Those those three, I think, if, if they take the steps necessary throughout the rest of the season, that's, that's a pretty doggone good young core. All right. Uh, this one had a couple different parts to it. Um, obviously, Lenny and Wiley have dominated the tight end position this season, but with it appearing that the recruitment of Danny Lewis could fall through, how do the tight ends waiting in the wings on the current roster like Mateo, Schmitz, and Singleton stack up? Hard to tell. They're not getting a lot of reps right now, right? Like Mateo had a great catch last week. when. Yeah, I mean, he's young guys clearly very talented, mm-hmm. but he's not – you know, he's not getting reps with the, the primary quarterbacks. He's not running against the primary defense. Like, those are things that we're going to find out in the spring. Um, he's a big dude, man. He's a he's a big athletic dude. Uh, I, I like what I've seen from him in terms of, like, the way he approaches things. Uh, I think the staff is happy with him. But, you know, and, until uh, Josh and Lenny are so much of – who they are offensively right. that you just don't get much of a chance to see like what the other guys look like cycling through because most of the time, like either Lenny's running with the ones and Josh is running with the twos or vice versa. Yeah. Cause they want their rep. Gotta yeah, get their they, they've got to get those guys as many reps as possible. So that's a, that's a great question in terms of like one of the multitude of things We'll be watching in spring ball. We're going to be watching in <laughs> spring practice. I, I like what I've seen from Shimon. Um, I've seen some flashes at times from Peyton Singletary in terms of, of being a pass catcher. Um, we'll see. We'll I mean, see. the thing about Singletary as well for me is you can tell that the, the rest of the players love him. Um, and I think that's a big thing. It, it means you're either a great fun outgoing guy or it means that you're also showing some things on the football field as well some flashes and and also that interception that does through at ecu he wasn't trying to squeeze it to josh wiley or to to lenny taylor he's trying to squeeze it to peyton singletary uh so i don't know i think uh hopefully he he has that big step that that everyone knows because the door is pretty open for one of them to really take the next move well and the follow-up question um also by the same asker is based on practice with the young guys getting more reps, which ones look ready to potentially step up next season? Spring football, man. Like I, (laughs) this is just such a different bowl season Mm -hmm. because even when there is like, you know, there's 20, like we talked about, there's, there's 20, 30 minutes. Like you're not going to get a great feel for like, you know, is anybody, nobody's dominating 20 minutes, of like four periods of practice. You know, like Ethan Wright has looked great in those, 
those periods. We know that, like that, that kid's going to run hard and be a monster. <laughs> um, but like big picture, we're going to have to like it, Spring football is going to be Christmas for this program because it's it, it's essentially going to be an entire new generation of what Cincinnati like it's the next iteration of what Cincinnati football is all about. And I just don't think like from practice you can tell yet because you you don't see enough yet. You, you don't have that like repeated and remember they're cycling through all of the young guys in those 20 minutes well and it's fun because there are a lot of highly rated players that are going to be the ones getting those sure. so uh yeah i mean not only is is the whole entire and you're going to add nine guys in the highest rated class yeah. ever for the spring it'll be fun it'll be fun and not transfers. sure not sure how any of those questions of the last two uh, ended up in the basketball mailbag, but that's that's where the tips fell. So, um, the mailbag, the the banks mailbag. We we're we're in the banks, and uh, <laughs> skins. Everyone's favorite skins writes in. Uh, I checked with the boss man. He has seen this classic, so here we go. Here we go. Quentin Tarantino wants to reboot Pulp Fiction using the BCJ staff and members. Who plays what role, and why is Aaron playing Vincent Vega? Follow-up question: What is your least favorite Christmas song, and why is it the Little Drummer Boy Perumpa Pum Pum? P.S. Free Kelsey and give her a podcast on BCJ Network. Kelsey rants about Kelsey and other animals. Kelsey, come here. Kelsey rants about Kelsey and other ramblings from a tween, a weekly segment brought to you by Anchor Grill. Stand behind So they want to give you your own podcast. Are you ready for your own podcast? Yeah? What was you talking about? TikTok? Uh, yeah, and TikTok and Squishmallows. She understood the assignment. <laughs> TikTok's big time. I get behind you, the TikTok. So you would break down TikTok videos? That would be your content? That's actually a big thing on YouTube. Maybe you know? it's time for a, a BCJ TikTok. Would you run the BCJ TikTok? How, what are your ideas for the BCJ TikTok? You got to give me merch first. Oh, I got to give her merch first. Speaking of 513shirts.com. Hey, Mike. Yeah. Mike, we need we need Kelsey merch. Kids she's not she's not willing to start a a, a podcast and or a vlog until she's making money off of merch. I don't think she understands how this game works. Um, Pulp Fiction. I guess I would probably like Aaron. You're Vincent Vega, really. Uh, you're Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, that's probably fair. Largely because you talk the same. That's I'm loud and I cuss a lot. I'm not yelling. It's just the way I talk. Motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. You as Vincent, I see you as more as Bruce Willis. I mean, that's dead, baby. Is, is, there, a, dead. is there a bad answer there? <laughs> No, I think that's, a, that's a, <laughs> the Bruce Willis. Like both of those characters, Travolta and Willis, were awesome. 
in that movie. Agreed. Are you, Bren, are you Zed? <laughs> no, no, I'm not. I'm not. You guys gang up with me on this one. I'm. I'm definitely Travolta. You're definitely Travolta. Oh yeah. Huh. Give me Travolta. Um, then the follow-up question, what's your least favorite Christmas song and why is the little drummer boy? We just we're shutting it off right there. Are you gonna continue? I was just trying to push it and along. There's more people that work here than the three of us. We're at 207. Give a shit. What do you got going on in the morning? I gotta go to practice. You don't have a job. I do have a job. I am the executive producer for <laughs> I don't know. But you're not working again until tomorrow night. Uh, until we do the nightcap here. And well, like... yeah, we gotta do the nightcap here. <laughs> um, I mean, who? So, let's see. I actually am. I am. I Samuel L. Jackson or I Marcellus Wallace. Man, it's been a long uh, time since I've seen Pulp Fiction. The the, uh, the guy that uh, runs Marcellus everything. Wallace is right. Like that's why. That's why. Vincent Vega was in trouble because he was out with Marcellus Wallace's wife at the discotheque. I don't know. What do you think, Brent? Am I am I am I Samuel L. Jackson or am I Marcellus Wallace? I think that you um because I think because, Dave could also be Samuel L. Jackson. Right. And then because you do kind of sit back and and then if if someone F's up out of line, right. Then you're able to kind of be the one to and and like you would probably, I could see you do that thing when, uh, when you know Bruce Willis is driving in the car, and then and then Marcellus Wallace sees him, and he's like, he's like, that's him. And and I could see you like, if like you know one of us slip up and we're like saying something we shouldn't at a certain time, then you're, and you're like, it just hit you with on. my car. Wait a second. Yeah. So so I don't know. I think uh, I think that's up for debate. Who's who's the guy? What's his name? The the fox or the wolf or. That comes and oh, yeah. clean, cleans up wrong. everything. The cleaner would be, I mean, that would have to be Brett, right? Brett's the lawyer. Like, right. We'd right. have him come in and, like, know the ins and outs of what needs to be fixed. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. Jimmy Wolf. Who plays Steve Buscemi's character? Buddy Holly. Huh. Hmm. Or Christopher Walken's character, Captain Coons. I mean, look, man, Pulp Fiction is iconic. Like, I don't think you realize how many legends were in Pulp Fiction right. until you go back and watch Pulp Fiction. Or Kathy Griffin as Kathy Griffin. <laughs> right? Who, who's the guy that's like, that, uh, that, that stabs the adrenaline shot? Oh, yeah. And, in, uh, in the chick, in the Uma? Yeah, Uma Thurman, yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of moving parts here. Yeah, Frank we, we, we yeah, we should have researched we, this better. We should have we should have looked it up real quick. Before. We should have researched this. Better. We have to. No, I, I, I I'm mean, gonna get obviously, to, it's a I'm phenomenon. Gonna, I, I've got Aaron as Bruce Willis. I'm gonna get to a point where anytime Skins asks these questions, I'm gonna be watching that movie that day. So you have so, a better yeah. It's getting right. to that point. Well, then you're gonna have to get the the mailbag up early enough. Earlier than noon. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, so the follow-up question, what's your least favorite Christmas song? Why is it little drummer boy pum 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 pum? For me, it's little I want a hip sucks. I hate it. I hate a want a hippopotamus for Christmas. I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. Only a hippopotamus will do. 
Yeah, that song sucks. Rhinoceroses. I love all Christmas music. Come on, of man. Of course you do. You know what Christmas song gets the worst rap? Because it's maybe my favorite Christmas song. And if all you, if you don't like it. Christmas is you. No. There's that, a, that one gets a bad rap. I get nothing but hate on my favorite Christmas song. And Happy New Year! Nobody, nobody hates Christmas and Hollis Queens. <laughs> Paul McCartney, simply having a wonderful Christmas time. That is a delightful song. Yeah, it's a delightful it song. It is a beautiful song. And people shit on that song constantly. People also crap on uh, Harry Connick Jr. and Michael Bublé. I, I want all of it and give me like 10 or 20 doses. What what my mom and dad used to do is they would play the songs like the uh, like kind of like with the orchestra real loud throughout the entire house. Be like, dun, 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 dun. And it's just like, oh, Ooh. like Mannheim Steamroller. And oh, it'd be so, yeah, it'd be so loud. And like, like you'd be trying to sleep so that Santa Claus can come. And I'm just like, oh, it's just rocking and rolling. And I can't even fall asleep. TikTok ad. Child. Tickle taco. <laughs> She's now like one foot away from me for the rest of this podcast. Oh. I was not. I was in the other room when I came in here. Skins invited her. Thank, thanks, Skins. This is, yeah, this this is, is where, a great song. This is, this is where we're going to get pulled from YouTube if you continue this. All right. So if you manage to survive the skins apocalypse what do you think your skins post-apocalyptic job would be this i'm not built to do any i don't exist to do anything but this (laughs) what do you want child uh yeah get out i mean Uh, be the uh aaron would you want to be this is your fault by the way because you survived skins I didn't ask for any of this. <laughs> yeah, Skins is dead, right? It's the Skins apocalypse. So Aaron becomes president. <laughs> is it right? Aaron's there. King. King. Forget president. Yeah, yeah. King. Czar. Czar. I like Czar <laughs> would be, if I could pick a title, Czar would be. I feel it. like you're you right. get a badass scepter if you're Czar. Right. And then, you t- and then I'll pick a different country and become the same one over there and we'll just have fun. King just gets a crown, like fuck a crown. All right, and the last question in the mailbag. Is it, that's not a, this isn't a question; it's a joke. Uh, yeah, I didn't even read that. I just cut and paste. <laughs> no comment. So, you see, well, the, the people listening can't see it. We'll so no now comment. you have to read it because you put it on the screen. And Aaron, yes, you do. I'm not. I'm not touching it. Uh, we did have a couple other questions here earlier on that I wanted to wait for this. No, no, you got to go back and read that shit, bro. What? Why? Because you put it on the screen. It's so uncomfortable. I know. Read it. Oh man. You got to. Pre- you can't just. Co- you got to learn your lessons. You can't just copy and paste. Uh, what's the difference between kinky and perverted? Kinky is when you tickle your girlfriend with a feather. Perverted is when you use the whole bird. Moving on. So we get a soundboard with that. We need that from the soundboard. I'm gonna I'm gonna be working on having a soundboard, but all right. We'll have to make sure that the the, all the sounds are okay to be played without copyright infringements. I only need one request on the soundboard. Just that. No. Well, that uh, two requests. That 
and the scene from Half Baked where he says, "Yes, Cuban B." <laughs> that. Um, any incoming transfer portal news you know of? Any positions you might you think might be filled through there for next season? I know Ooh. we've touched on that. Any transfer portal news I know of? Yes. Wait and see. Um, Stay tuned. I mean, there, there's a lot of stuff that's floating around on, on the Bearcat Journal boards, as we've mentioned. Um, there's a lot, a lot of rumors of, that are floating around on the board. Some are some true. Some of them are true. Ooh. <laughs> ooh, ooh, ooh. I just let a bomb on the transfer portal thread. Nico, <laughs> get to work. Uh, is Geno season approaching? As there was news that surfaced this week of potentially an offensive coordinator spot being filled at LSU by one uh Matt is Mine? it Matt Matt or Mike Den Denbrock Denbrock who knows who's reporting these things these days my understanding is that there have been a lot of places reach out to Cincinnati coaches about open positions and the answer has been the same answer that was given by Luke Fickle to Notre Dame. I'm yeah. working right now. If you would like to call me when I'm done working, maybe we can talk. But until I'm done working, I'm working. So that's where this thing is at right now, man. These guys are locked in to go shock the world in Dallas. Yeah, I think I'd be uh, a little upset if, um, you know, any of the other coaching staff didn't do exactly what uh, the the leader of the team did, in you know, kindly deferring until the season was over. So, that all said, that is your five one three shirts mailbag. Don't forget that you do get free shipping on all orders right now over forty five dollars. That is for a limited time only. And also, also, Brent, hit yeah. one final on the title sponsor. One final on the title sponsor. It's our good friends. It's our really good friends over at Danco Transmissions. Family-owned business. Right over there by Jungle Gyms. Hit them up. Mention the BBP. Mention Brady Collins. Mention Chad, Brendel, Aaron Smith, and I. Get a little bit off that oil change. A little, little ten dollars. Little, little dock it off. BBP Danco Transmissions. Thank you so much. Well, guys, do we have anything else out of either of you? Any, any parting words? I mean, we won't be together again until uh, post Christmas. Post Christmas. So, Merry Christmas to all of our loyal weekly listeners and to the both of you. Oh, thanks, Aaron. Merry Christmas to you, too. And you, too, Chad. Love you guys. But, uh, hey, you know what? Without further ado, special thanks again to Danco Transmissions and to 513shirts.com. Big, big shout-out to both Aaron Smith and Chad Brendel. I am Brent Young. We'll be signing off until after Christmas. Yet again, this is the BBP presented by BearcatJournal.com. See ya!